0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts
1: Kevin Galvin stepping in for Neil Prendeville for the third day in a row. I haven't been kicked off the seat yet, so things must be going pretty well This is Thursday the 10th of August 2023. I hope it's having a good morning for yourself. Hope you're having a good week. We're not that far away now from the weekend. Although I suppose the the shorter week always feels a bit alright, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes it throws you out. You think your Tuesday is your Wednesday and then you think your Friday is your Saturday and all of a sudden you actually have to go to work but um, generally I find the, uh, the the extra money does make a huge difference um, for people in Cork, um, more bad news for those on the housing market, it's something we've talked about all week but how could you ignore it given the situation that we're in at the moment, market rents in Cork uh, city have, riven, has, have risen should I say by 7.4% in the last year, rents in the county are 8.8% higher but what can you what you expect. I mean we're living in a country where the amount of Airbnb rentals far outstrip what's available on uh, rental sites like daft.ie and then you're in a position where you know like if you're an owner of that landlord nobody's telling you that you can't uh, put your prices up higher and it's a a seller's market so of course uh, it's going to be more expensive um, up to 8.8% very very concerning as alongside uh, the news that mortgage rates are going higher and higher again uh, TD is calling for mortgage relief uh, the rates rise above 4% now the last time we had a mortgage relief in this country it cost the state quite a bit of money so it's not just something that could easily be whipped up but it is something I'm hoping to speak to later on on the show but I'm going to interrupt my paper review very quickly because they're all set to go on the grand parade for what is going to be uh, another monumental effort by the group that are down there you can hear the Paul's in the background. Paul Sheridan, CEO of the Tour de Munster, joins me. Paul, good morning. How are you feeling this morning?
0: I'm very well, Kevin. How are you keeping?
1: I'm very good. Well, I feel a little bit inadequate, I'm not going to lie, um, because I went to football training last night, the sweat was rolling off me. I woke up this morning thinking, "Geez, the fitness is coming along. And then I hear that you guys are going from Cork to Lismore, to Clawheen to Care, to Tiptown to Limerick to Birdhill and finishing in Clare and Killaloe, all in the space of just today.
0: That's right, Kevin. Um, yeah. And uh, you you've overstated my position. I'm I am i am the organizer of the Tour de Munster. It's a real privilege to be here for the Grand Department, the Grand Parade is the at English market.
1: Um it's an enormous task ahead of you obviously Jamie O'Hara and our news uh, team uh, good friends um, so I've been hearing all about the preparation that's involved I mean the the kilometres involved are absolutely crazy so as I said you're going all the way up to Killaloe via Waterford and Tip today then you're going from Killaloe down through Ennis you're taking the ferry across to Tarbert and down into Trilly on the Thursday you, make a, you, you basically do the Ring of Kerry down towards Kenmare and in the last day you're going from Kenmare all the way back to Cork I mean what kind of preparation? Operation is needed to, to 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 get those miles under the clock.
0: We, we train two or three days a week. We we train hard with the view to touring easy. Um, it, it's an SAS motto: train hard, despite easy. Yeah. Uh, we kind of apply it for training, uh, but it's a real privilege. We're doing it for Down Syndrome Ireland. Um, we have been doing that for the last thirteen years. This is the twenty-third year of the Tour de Monster, and uh, we've raised over four million for various charities. Uh, with about 3.9. This year, hopefully, we'll bring that over to $4 marks for the monster branches. But even that amount of money staggering, though, it may sound... uh, It's not near enough to pay for the essential therapy and um, the the needs of people with special needs. Oh, I mean...
1: Absolutely, because like we were only we were only talking about it yesterday, and we're still talking about fourteen thousand children in Cork awaiting ASD services. So it just goes to underline really how important the money that you raise is.
0: Yes, it's, um, you know early intervention is essential. Unfortunately, an awful lot of people wouldn't even get an assessment for many years, in, in which case you know early intervention hasn't happened and. Bad habits are then very hard to, to to undo and correct. So the, the earlier we can help, and it just simply requires money. And, uh, and that's what we're here to try and generate. And awareness, because the, the other thing is that we often talk about people with special needs, but these people also have a very special ability, and that's the ability to make the rest of us feel special when we do something simple for them.
1: Uh, what, what was it that kind of drew you into, because obviously you're organising this tour for quite a long time, Paul. You're a veteran of a few tours yourself. You know your way around this place. What is it that that, that drew you into the Tour de Munster?
0: Oh, I, I think everybody should do something that gives meaning in their life and sharing that experience with other people. Uh, I, I got particularly drawn into Down syndrome, simply connection. I have no personal connection. But when you see... What it means to these people and how unfair the the systems are to them—that it's it's really it's, this is a this is a human rights issue, if 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 nothing else. And uh, it's it's important that the rest of us do our bit.
1: Yeah, and I mean, look, I I'm going to talk about some of the stages um, as we go go through um, some big challenges, but I suppose you know, not to be overly, uh, what would I say, hyperbolic about it, but, like, when you think about, when you, you talk about the challenges that you guys will face, um, even I'm looking at that stage from Killalow into Tralee, some very heavy climbs. I'm um, looking down here, a very sharp, dangerous turn in towards Bodike, one of them. Um, there are, for especially for newcomers to the tour, it's going to be a really hard challenge, but I suppose when you compare that to the challenges that families are facing every day, it probably puts it under a little bit of perspective when you're trying to get up and through the Kerry Mountains.
0: Absolutely. We have a choice. We, we could choose not to do any of this. We could choose not to go around some of those corners or up over those hills. But a parent of a child with Down syndrome gets up every morning and they are always the parents of a child with Down syndrome and they always face challenges that most of us have no inking of because people with Down syndrome may also have lots of other issues regarding their organs are greatest and it is so complex and their needs are so complex
1: Right, so tell me a little bit more about this, Uh, you're obviously a veteran of this Um, what does it take to to, to do the four days because it's not just the actual people will think about the endurance and the stamina but the technical riding ability as well, the the amount of training you do also focuses on riding in packs and in traffic and there's, there's quite a lot to it isn't there?
0: Yeah, yeah, and we, and we coach in that, you know, because we we have to work as, as a unit. Otherwise, it would be very difficult to get through the by sitting in behind another person. You're saving thirty, forty percent of your energy. So, learning to work as a as a combined team is very important. Learning to push the speed up, to, you know, there's six counties in Munster. We will go through five of them today, and uh, if we're if we're going to do that, we'll cover about 185 kilometers. Uh, just today, uh, we, we need to be fit and, um, and tuned to, to each other. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's a privilege to train as well. And, of course, we're also led by the legendary Sean Kelly. Um, you know, that helps. He, he is, he, well, people don't realise it, but, you know, he is an international uh, icon. He is, um, he is the second greatest cyclist of all time. Uh, not not second greatest living cyclist, but the second greatest cyclist of all time, uh, second only to Eddie Merckx, the, the cannibal from Belgium, but mm. also still alive.
1: Um, Sean is obviously as well very n- well known for his uh, commentary on the Tour de France that just finished, obviously in the last couple of weeks. Um, how similar is this to would this be to a Tour de France stage in terms of its length and its difficulty?
0: Uh, Well, I I suppose the the, the length compares, the the difficulty, the the Tour de France has much more difficult stages. But the the Tour de Munster was always about emulating our heroes in the Grand Tours, like the Tour de France, the Giro and the Vuelta. Mm. Uh, We we start with reasonably flattish terrain, and then on day three we go into the mountains, in the same way that the Tour de France does. We do the Conner Pass and Malls Gap in one day. They do much bigger times. Um, but, you know, it is emulating our heroes uh, on a much smaller scale. We, we don't have grand ideas about ourselves. We don't think we're in the Tour de France. At least most of us don't. Do you, <laughs> yeah, you
1: you're not doing whip around to bite a corner passes. you're passing through uh, it, no?
0: Oh, we, no, no. And I can tell you I know that it's up for sale, and I'm sure there are many people in our group who on Saturday would wish that they could buy
1: it in dynamite. Yeah, I, can only, <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine bringing in the bulldozers, flattening it out. Um, and then, like, I suppose there's hundreds, there's, there's 100 or more than 100 cyclists taking part in this. How many do you expect will actually get to the finish line in Cork in a couple of days' time? Every one of them. Every uh, single one. No man is left behind. Yeah.
0: Uh, we have a, a great record of uh, practically no DNA that did not finish. We, uh, we, we do our best. We have contingency plans to, to help people, but most people will stay on their bikes and we can get through the whole thing.
1: Amazing. So you must be pretty impatient now to hit the road, I can only imagine. Absolutely. I have 100 people here screaming at me. <laughs> Well, can you get them to screen us in a countdown and I can send you on your way. Um, Paul Sheridan, organiser of the Tour de Munster. Uh, amazing work that you're doing. And of course, look, if you want more information, you can head to tourdemunster.com. There'll be bucket collectors present for all stages. And that is, of course, for Down Syndrome, Ireland. And if you've heard this show at any amount of time, you'll know the challenges that parents of children with ASD face. Paul, I'm going to count you in, so can I count from 10? How to do you? How All right, do you? right, let's go. 10, Three. Three. Two, one, off you one. go, lads. Enjoy it all the way up to Killalo today. That's Paul Sheridan, organizer of the Tour de Munster. Um, so today they're going to kill a Low Tomorrow it's Killalo to Tralee. Uh, stage three is kill Tralee to Kenmare. And stage four then season going from Kenmare all the way back to Cork. Over 600 kilometers they're covering in aid of Down syndrome, Ireland. So as I said, if you want more information or you want to try and donate, you can head to tourdemunster.com. But the very best of luck to all 100 of them. Honestly, I am in all. Of their ability to do that because that is absolutely no mean feat. <laughs> Talk
2: to Neil Prenderville now
1: 0818 104 Cork's Red FM Kevin Galvin uh, standing in for Neil Prenderville all this week and uh, you heard over the ad break there Cork and the Fork Festival we'll have more passes to give away for some fantastic uh, events right across the city and county the rest of the week but we do want to hear your favourite summer story so we heard yesterday uh, from Marion am I right in saying Marion who uh, unfortunately was in a temple in Thailand before she um, broke wind um, lasting about 20 seconds I think she said she she made her offering to the to the gods um, there which wasn't appreciated by those in attendance but uh, anything along those lines, any funny summer stories, we'd absolutely love to hear it and you could be in with the chance of winning some fantastic uh, passes thanks to our friends at Cork and the Fork. But coming back um, to what I was speaking about earlier, we were talking about rent prices in Cork going up by an average of 8.8% in the county uh, 7.4% in Cork City Um, and as I said not surprising when you hear about the absolute lack of opportunities or lack of houses that are on the market at the moment so landlords are selling um, because the prices are so high they want to get out of the market they're looking forward to what could be a Sinn Féin government and all of the social housing that they're promising and all these things that could be be bad for a landlord so they're moving out of the market which means we have less homes to rent which means landlords that are left there can charge more and now we're looking at mortgage rates also going the wrong way so uh, mortgage rates now Cork uh, Uh, The average monthly rents uh, changing between 2023 Q2. In Cork City, that would mean an average of 1,793 extra on your mortgage, uh, up 7.4%. And we were talking about free credits and the amount that was made of the free energy credits. And of course, those are very important too. But then you talk about paying an extra €1,793 on a quarter of an increase in a mortgage, I'm, I just don't understand how banks can how people can pay. And the, the problem with this is, you know, if you go for a pint of milk or you go for a, a loaf of bread and it goes up by a certain price, you can say, "I'm not paying that. I'm 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 deciding to not pay that. I can make that choice." If you're tied into a mortgage and the price goes up, you are totally at in a vulnerable place. To those in the bank, and I just I don't understand how th- there isn't more of a step in. There is a more of to say, look, these people just can't afford these increases anymore. We need to do something to try and cap rents. Um, again, jumping again in June, breaching four percent for the first time in years. Um, sig- jumping significantly from that in May, three point eight four percent. And as I was saying, the price of houses now are so high because people have been saving for so long they have their mortgage approved, they want to get into a home, they've been waiting years to try and move out of home, they're willing to pay extra, so you pay more, you pay more on your mortgage, and even if you can't get a mortgage, you're then stuck paying more on your rent. So so what kind of position are you left in? I'm hoping to speak later on um, about that on the show. Um, also, on a, on, a, on a not totally unrelated note, um, two Cork Secondary School teachers have highlighted the shortage of, uh, principals, should I say, have highlighted the shortage of teachers in the sector, calling for greater incentives to be offered to teaching graduates. That's Colin O'Chorchur at a Closin in, in Carrick Navar. Um, he says, I've a problem in filling a chemistry, teacher. I put up an advertisement and not one person has responded. Look, I know housing is an issue I, I, can, I can't imagine though if you're in Navarre you, you couldn't find somebody somewhere to rent that, that isn't a good price now obviously talking about the lack of rents in Cork County maybe I'm wrong but you know I can understand when you talk about inner city Dublin and having to pay Dublin rent prices but you'd imagine that there would be some sort of interest in having a teacher um, there. Um, going back to Noonan's Road very quickly because we covered it quite a bit. Council housing staff are the latest to visit. They'll they'll queue up now. They can take their, their place in the queue to go look at Noonan's Road, to go sympathise with those in the Noonan's Road. Maybe another report might come out. Who knows? We seem to have plenty of those at the moment um, Tommy Gould, um, Sinn Féin TD saying it's all well and good, everybody coming out there but action needs to happen and it's exactly what William O'Brien was saying to me earlier on this week, he's saying they've all seen it, they know what's going on there we don't need more people to come out and, and tell us about the of the places that we live in, I mean it must be embarrassing enough for residents to have to show these people around their home and say I have rats, I have damp I have asbestos being exposed, I have sleep." coming off my building that could you know one day impale somebody walking underneath my flat they don't need I don't think they need housing staff to come out there housing staff surely know what's going on there I mean all they have to do is listen to any radio station or pick up a paper in the morning and see the pictures of what's going on in Newlands Road to realise what's going on it's, a, it's about time something actually happens and another ongoing saga and I know this is something that those in the Red FM news team are working very very hard to try and uncover but really hitting a brick wall when it comes to trying to get more information the Mayor of County Cork has called on South Dock to come clean and explain once and for all what service it is providing after 10 o'clock and it's for Moy Centre as I said the news team inside here it's like a dog a dog with a bone with them they've been just hounding the HSC, and it's just impossible to get an answer off our health service a straight answer off our health service executive when it comes to a wide range of issues but locals um basically for ceased to operate at 10 o'clock on Tuesday, uh, July 18th locals said they feared that the output of GP service would close all together due to a lack of replacement staff and anybody who has had a sick child or a sick relative or is needed to get help out of hours in terms of trying to get GP help, you're directed towards South Dock so I don't know what the people in Frome are expected to do, are they expected to you know, throw yourself into the back of a car and get yourself down the motorway to South Dock to sit around there? Are you expected to go somewhere else? Um, it's just, it's, it's, I can understand the frustration of locals. So, um, uh, Councillor uh, O'Flynn um, was saying, uh, Frank O'Flynn, the local councillor there, he said, um, How can South Dock say they're keeping the full service in Vermont if they're taking the nurses, doctors, and the car that's there to call out the patients? We've got no reply whatsoever since we've wrote back to South Dock. So, I'm calling on them to explain what services they're actually providing for my after 10 o'clock at night so I'd love to hear your thoughts are you in the my area are you struggling with this at the moment because it is something that has been going on for quite some time and uh, something that look South Dock has been under the the spotlight and it is superb the work that they do when they can do it but it seems like a lot of the times um, their hands seem to be tied by management sounds like I'm describing the public health service as well but anyway that's a story for another day uh, calls for a swift marina market planning decision, calls been made for the marina market, the planning finally to be put once and for all, now we've, we, we've, we've obviously had, we've found out the marina market went ahead without really any planning consultation um, now we've found out that, that that the challenge that the Gouldings uh, nearby Gouldings chemical plant is actually now deemed safe um, coincidence that the you know marina development plan is coming in soon I, I think not but um, but now obviously the question remains over parking and that is a big issue access to the park. Uh, to the port excuse me parking in the area uh, people being clamped that are trying to get down to the marina market because it is an operating port Port Cork are very clear in saying that we are still operating as a port and you do see ships down there so for people to be parking down there interrupting it um, but I suppose look they're they're calling for this thing to be sorted once and for all because Peter Horgan um, the local Labour uh, rep he's been on the show a few times he said planning needs to take its natural course it seems rather unwieldy that planners would wait right up to the supposed announcement date to issue a further information request it's not fair that something that is trans. Transform the Docklands far faster than any much more heralded spots to be left there waiting for the sword of damocles to hang over it. And look, that unfortunately, Peter, that that is how planning works. You generally tend to find out on the day of the deadline. But I can understand the point that they're making. They want this thing to be sorted once and for all for people because it is. It's look, it is a great spot, but ultimately, it doesn't matter how popular your spot is if you brought something in and you haven't got planning for it. I mean, You you can't expect end planners to be to be looking in your favour um, uh, going back to what we were speaking to speaking about should I say earlier on um, on Tuesday morning show that shocking video that emerged over the weekend uh, did the rounds on WhatsApp I know probably made it to other social media um, accounts as well but that of the the Mercedes that was flying down the wrong direction in the South Link over the weekend um, more information from the guardy. to be fair we were we were asking for the Gardie for more information they did provide it actually on Tuesday we just didn't get Tweet yesterday um, but the Gardaí have said uh, an incident of alleged dangerous driving where a car was observed driving on the wrong side of the road on the N40 South Ring Road in Cork City uh, on Sunday was reported to Angard Xichana following inquiries this incident was linked with a missing person investigation following an elderly male a thankfully this alleged dangerous driving incident did not lead to any further serious incidents and the elderly male was located and is currently receiving care and that's really what I was saying Earlier, um, when we were talking about obviously people are emotive about it, we had that tragic instance, you know, last month in Mitchestown. But we have to remember that sometimes these incidents are not always as, as clear as they seem. And at least, thankfully, in this case, it seems like this one was resolved. Uh, the Cork Independent are saying that the city library is to face yet another protest. I, I really don't see what any of these protests kind of achieve. I have to say I've seen quite a few of them pop up now and it just seems an opportunity for people to hurl insults at each other from the far right and the far left and it doesn't seem like anybody's actually willing to engage with each other or listen to each other the council, you know, it's it's the council who needs to step in, and, and I know, obviously, not not always blame the council about everything, but there is a certain amount needs to be done to protect library staff. So Cork City Library is set to be the centre of another organised protest group by the cor- by the group Cork says no, which they say is associated with the far right political party Ireland First. Um, ugh, I know people will be texting in saying this typical. Now you're labelling us far right, um, Ireland First aren't a far right party, we're a nationalist party that are trying to protect our interests. Look, it really depends on what side of the divide you'd stand on. If you want to call people far right, if you want to call people far left, then people are entitled to do that. Does that mean that we're actually achieving anything? I I can't see what another cork says no protest will actually achieve other than probably more airtime for us to, to be talking about it. But in terms of actually trying to solve the issues, I mean, can people not just sit down and and have some sort of you know adult conversation without having to, to resort to name calling I don't know
2: get it off your chest Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 106,
1: Red FM. Kevin Galvin stepping in for Neil Prenderville on this Thursday, the 10th of August. Remember, you can call us 0818 104 106 and you can also email neil at redfm.ie. And Thursday, the 10th of August 2023 is a monumental day for the people in Kerry South and the people of Killorgland as today marks the 2023's beginning of Puck Fair. Festival. Now, a very different festival this year in that the famous goat, the puck goat, which has been put up in a cage for three days over previous festivals, animal rights groups calling it cruel and unnecessary, Um That's been now changed. So the Puck Fair Committee has agreed to evolve the role of the goat and it will no longer remain on the stand for three days. Instead, he will be raised for a short time following his coronation and will not be seen again until the final day of the festival. Michael Healy-Ray, TD, independent TD for Kerry South. This is a great victory for the animal rights activists, isn't it?
3: Well, the very first thing I'd say is I want to make it quite clear that all roads lead to Killarglan and County Kerry today, (laughs) tomorrow and the next day because this is a traditional festival which goes back for uh, hundreds of years. We have a voluntary fundraising committee who work very diligently and uh, take into account all of their best veterinary advice and uh, their great organisational capabilities because over 100,000 people will come to this massive festival. It runs, thankfully, thanks be to God, very safely every year. And uh, the people and the families that come, they have a great time and a very enjoyable time. With regard to the issue of the goat, uh, there has been calls to make changes. The committee have listened to those calls. They have taken on board the best of advice and they have made the changes. I have to be honest and frank and tell you that I wouldn't agree with the changes they've made. I'm very supportive of the committee. I do everything I can every year to assist as a politician representing the Calaglan area, not just nationally but locally for many, many years before that, uh, I actually wouldn't agree with him making any changes.
1: So, so you would you would rather them continue a practice that animal rights groups have called cruel and unnecessary?
3: Yes, because where is there evidence of any cruelty? The goats have always been weighed when they would have been uh, captured. They would have been weighed uh, upon capture and upon release and the thing that happens to the goat is they actually put on body weight, which is a sure sign that an animal is being well taken care of. And uh, let's put it this way, if an animal was being traumatized, not being fed, not being watered, or not being taken care of, they wouldn't put on conditions. They put on condition, which is a sure sign that they were always being taken care of.
1: But I, I, I a, No, sorry, I just I, I just, I find that logic interesting. Like, if you overfeed an animal to the... Like, are you saying so that, like, by overfeeding ducks... To make foie gras, they're, being, they're making them the healthy ducks because they're weighing when more they're after they time? finish packing them with food than they were beforehand. Are
3: you worried? Is anybody else trying to insinuate that the goats weren't well taken care of? Well, I, 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 think,
1: I think a lot of people would say sticking an animal in a cage for three days and hoisting it above drunken revellers probably isn't the best for its, for its well-being. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Well, sure, but isn't this great? We live in a democracy, and if that's your opinion, and if you're against this tradition, you're perfectly entitled to your opinion, as are any of your listeners. What I'm saying is that it is my belief, and it is my considered opinion, that there was nothing wrong with the tradition that was carried on for years. But we're speaking retrospectively now, because the committee who are in charge, the voluntary committee, they've made changes. I respect their decision to make those changes and they've done so following on from the best of advice and this is the festival we're going to have now and i'm delighted but what i would say is i don't want this to be seen as what i would call the end t- of the wedge if there are people involved in groups if they think that this is a success for them well maybe the next thing that they might be successful in doing for example would be stopping horse racing stopping live exports, stopping the production of animals at all, at all, for consumption. Because you must remember that sometimes the act of living might not be very uh, uh, nice if you think about about some of the things we have to do. We have to eat. So if we produce meat, we have to kill that meat then. We have to kill that animal to eat them. Yeah. and some people might not like
1: that but that is a fact right? I, I appreciate that and I appreciate the fact that your your look I get it I mean the, the hypocrisy of people eating meat and on the same time claiming that about animal cruelty but we're talking about something that's totally unnecessary here aren't we like you're saying that we all have to eat and which is fair enough we do and we don't necessarily have to eat animals but if we make that choice then we can do we really need to stick a goat in a cage for three days and hoist it above a street
3: well If there was something fundamentally wrong with it if the animal was cold if the animal was hungry if the animal wasn't being treated properly but that was never the case but like i say we're speaking about something now that is not going to happen because the committee have decided to move on they've made changes uh what my main message to people today is Puck fair is on it's a great festival it's a very enjoyable festival it has started this morning with a fair Uh, And I would ask people to bring their families for the next three days. It's totally enjoyable, a very safe and happy fair for people to come to. There's a massive amount of effort because it it, is one of our oldest and longest-running traditions, this festival. So whether you're from Ireland or abroad or visiting here, I would ask everybody to come to Kerry uh, over the next three days. And you certainly won't be disappointed. uh, there's a regular bus service from other parts of the county bringing people to Killarney. There's ample car parking made available, and the street vendors and traders they're all in place. I was there last night. I will be there again today, and uh, and I'll be there over the next two days, calling to see that everything is running smoothly and that everybody is
1: happy and happy and safe and enjoyable. Ah, uh, yeah. And look, it's, it, nobody can doubt, and doubt the fact that it, how important it is to local people at Calorglan and absolutely to the county Kerry generally in terms of bringing in people into the, the town. Nobody would doubt that. But, like, is this now a case of, you know, taking that step back and giving an inch to these rights activists? Do you think now they will take a while? Can you see further push for this practice of hoisting the goat to be finished altogether? Well, you
3: see, look, there are groups there. There are there are groups who are anti-everything. And I'm not branding any one particular group with any pain push. But I, what I would say to you is there are groups who are against everything. And if these people had their way, we would all lead very sad and uh, unfulfilled lives. And I will give you an example. They wouldn't want horse racing. They wouldn't uh, want greyhounds to be bred for sport. They are for racing. Correct. They would want any of that type of activity. And there are people like that. And there's but these.
1: Young, but, I don't but, know what they're for. But these are people just, yeah. who just want animals to be essentially like left alone, that we shouldn't be taking animals and, you know, presuming that we can use animals for our our own sport or at least we shouldn't be using animals and putting their lives at risk for sport I mean, you look at horse racing during the hunt season, how many horses are put down when their legs are broken, falling over jumps You look, we looked at the RTV Investigates programme that has almost crippled the, 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 the greyhound industry now in the country and yet, there's a huge amount of government funding going towards these sports when we talk about, you know, you've talked you've highlighted yourself in your own constituency about services that you've lacked and yes, there's hundreds of thousands if not millions of euro of government state money going towards to, to support these industries that a lot of people would say put animals lives at risk
3: well let me make, make it very clear i absolutely in no way would tolerate any type of uh, cruelty or not taking care of animals there recently was uh, a Film done and live exports. I'm a very lifelong supporter of our live uh, exports, of our live exports. Uh, quite simply, because we're an island nation, we have to export our animals. But I want us to do so in a safe and caring way, it takes care of the animals. And I believe you can do both. And I would never want to see any wrongdoing. I believe that the farmers of Ireland take the utmost of, of care of their animals. They, they 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 want to protect them. They want to mind them. But they have to be allowed to continue to farm at the same time. The standard of housing, of accommodation, of uh, waste disposal on our farms has massively increased, in particularly over the last 20 years. And uh, people have to acknowledge that. But again... There are people who are anti-everything. And uh, I certainly don't want those people to be getting their way, quite simply, because I believe they're wrong. I believe in allowing horse racing to continue, to, uh, to let the greyhound industry continue, and to let farmers continue in taking into account the best farm practices, which they always do. And uh, But there are antis in every walk of life, and there are people going around the place who literally would like to see nothing happening. They would like to see... That's people not, that's, that's not <laughs> necessarily
2: fair. Board like
3: board
1: I, but food. I just... <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's fair. I think people don't want animals to be used for sport and they don't want animals to be treated what well, in a way that they see as being cruel. I mean I have spoken to people within the horse racing industry who have told me about certain trainers who I won't name on air now but they have said if you think that's bad that is the tip of the iceberg. These like and there are some very good horse trainers out there but there are some really shocking ones and there are a lot of people are saying that there isn't enough regulation around the treatment of horses when in the yards behind closed doors.
3: Well, I wouldn't agree with that because uh, the horse no. racing industry is highly regulated.
1: The well, I'm only telling you what people regulated. in the industry are telling me. Do you know, I, I'm, I'm talking to sure. somebody who's working with the Racing Post for years but and is telling what, me this.
3: But I would always say about a thing like that, is they, if anybody has any evidence of wrongdoing, with regard to the safety or the well-being of any animals, they should report that to the authorities. But the people that I know, and for instance, the people I, who I would be very personally acquainted with in County Kerry, for example, I visit their farms. I visit where they keep their greyhounds. I like, I, I'll give you an example. One morning, a Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, I was in a certain part of Kerry and I met an elderly man and he was coming back from the beach. And uh, he was after having his greyhound. His greyhound was up on the back seat of the car. And where he was after being that morning was at the beach with his greyhound ha- taking the dog for a m- walk along the edge of the of the beach because it's good for the dog's paws uh, walking on the sand yep. and and the, the salt and the water. And the dog was delighted with, with, with himself. The owner was delighted with himself after having his walk on the beach. And, you know, it was a lovely thing to see. So these are the people that I represent.
1: But that's these not the same. Si- you you can't equate somebody their bringing their dog for a walk to people... Like hair, like running greyhounds for sport. It's it that's it's, it's totally different. Have owning a greyhound, and by the way, um, the amount of people who have had to foster greyhounds that have been abandoned—that's another story for another day. But you can't tell me that. Uh, look, dogs enjoy running. It's it's very clear that they love. You know, most dogs really enjoy running. They love running around. They enjoy that. But there's a whole different case between. Running dogs for sport against each other around the track and the likelihood, I mean, the risk of them picking up an injury or picking up something that could end up seeing them put down is much, much higher on a greyhound track than it is just taking your dog for a beach for, uh, on the beach for a run. Those two can't be equated, Michael, can they? Well, if I was to take your argument to its
3: ultimate logical concu- conclusion, people who participate in sports, for example, extreme sports, if they're cycling very quickly in the rost or if they're going the Tour de France, people who run at a very high level, who swim, all of these
1: people get injured, don't they? Have so a choice. But they have a choice. They, they, they yeah, make sure. their own decision to do that. They, like, if I yeah. can go out in the morning, if I, if I had somebody put me on leash and tell me I had to run around the track. You know, I'm, I mean, look. I know that it's it's slightly different. Some greyhounds, obviously, very much do enjoy it. There's, there's, I'm not saying that it's everything's, ba- you know, that. But you can't like. It's just I, I don't understand your your logical conclusion because what, we are we what's... we are able to get up in the morning and make a decision. We have those decision making capabilities. But the owners of dogs are, as you say, there. There are those dogs owners, so they make those decisions for that dog. And in in making that decision, they put their dogs at risk.
3: Well, I said a while ago, we live in a democracy, and that's great. If you're for something, isn't that brilliant? If you're against something, isn't that brilliant? You're entitled to your opinion. I'm entitled to my opinion. But the one thing that would guide me always is best practice, safe practice. The regulations that are there, whether it's regard to housing animals, whether it's regard to the feeding of animals, the taking care of them, the veterinary care that they need and that they require. And what I'm for is best standards But I'm also a, a, how would I say, deeply committed to maintaining the sports and all of the different traditions that we've had back over the years. Mm -hmm. And yes, changes might have to be made over the years. We evolve, we change, whether it's in the veterinary care of animals uh, and all the different types of changes that have to be made. But again, I will just say to you finally, there are people who are against things. And look, they will always be against things. But you know, they're the same type of people I, I i'm fully convinced that against so much that I actually don't know what they're for. But that's, again, it's their own
1: business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're completely entitled to your opinion. Look, we have texts in here. What a stupid presenter talking about a goat and animals being slaughtered every day and no talk about that. God help you, you fool. So, look, I, and there's yes, a huge. And you
3: have people, people ring in and say that I'm totally wrong. And yeah. I respect their opinion and I respect their right to say there'll be people listening to this and they'll say that I'm totally wrong and that I'm off the wall and I'm this and I'm that and I'm the thing. And you number people who say that I'm one hundred percent right, that I'm speaking up, and that I'm talking common sense, and that I'm perfectly entitled. to say Absolutely, what I, I suppose think, it's just
1: I what I'm looking at here is just like I just want to put these to you. And I look, I do want to move. I want to move on to another topic because there's something else I would really like to speak to you just before we let you go. But like you know, in 2021, 154 greyhounds died, a further 197 dogs were injured, there were 715 uh, greyhounds killed at Irish tracks between 2015 and 2020. You can understand why people are upset at the fact that the government continues to fund an industry which puts animals and, you know, we say dogs are a man's best friend, or a woman's best friend, or whatever you want to say, but the dogs are a man's best friend, and yet we're killing them by the hundred every year as part of an industry that's funded by the state
3: I I wouldn't agree with that and if I had known that were were bring, bring me on the radio to go into an in-depth conversation like this I would have had
1: statistics and, uh, no I'm not yeah. trying yeah. to How catch you happen? out sorry Mike I'm not no, trying to catch no, you no, out I'm just, no, just you know
3: just leave me finish because yeah. after asking me a question now I'm going to answer it I will come on you sometime and I'll give you the statistics of the amount of horses, the amount of dogs that are raised, produced, exported, and uh, that that have long and happy lives and, and going to retirement. They, we have greyhounds that are in uh, very sought-after demand when they retire from mm-hmm. their life of racing, if that's what they've been doing. And they make great pets for people and for families. And uh, so, to go painting it all as though it's wrong, I think not only are you doing a bad service to the greyhound industry this morning, but also to horse racing and horse racing Ireland and all of the great organizations that represent these people. But if, if that's what you want to do with your program this morning, you're perfectly in no, so, but, uh, but I, can, I yeah. will defend. I will defend our horse racing industry. I will defend the people who have greyhounds, whether it's for pleasure, whether it's for professional or whatever type of uses, I will defend those people because I personally know them. I have visited their farms. I have visited their their darkhounds. I've seen what they do. I've seen the great work that they do. And uh, and I've seen how good they take care of their animals. And I think it's so wrong to be coming on a radio show this morning and trying to present everything as though it's bad and that it's wrong. And that it's no, but I just—I mean, have I, to. I, I have to present. Like
1: my job is to present the opposing view. Like, I mean, Maybe, I couldn't. Yeah, I can't have you on for half an hour and agree side. with everything you say, Michael. It's yeah. just, you know, it's just not no, the way no, these no. things and, go. And, you know, and, and I have I'm to.
3: Not saying, I'm not saying that you should. All I'm saying is that you should be fair in your presentation. Hmm.
1: You know? No, I appreciate that, and as I said, like If you
3: take for instance. If you were a per- person who, who breeds greyhounds, for example, and if they're listening to this tsunami, and if they're saying, oh, my God, isn't that so wrong, to be giving this presentation as if as if uh, that everything is wrong and that we're all cruel. I think that's an awful thing for you to do. Like you should be saying, what about the people who are highly respectable and who produce greyhounds, who breed greyhounds, and who've been doing so and their fathers and mothers before them and uh, who really take pr- pride in their...
1: Look, I do appreciate there are people darms. out there. No, there, well, there, are. there, there are, are. There are. are and and no, there are. And
3: and no, no, you must be fair now. You can't Have it all your own way and go quoting off statistics about deaths as if oh oh this is all horrible and wrong. No, but that's why that's that's why I'm putting
1: them to you. That's why I'm putting them to you, Michael. This is this is exactly why I'm putting these statistics to you because you're in the position to tell me that I'm wrong. That's 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 how this works. (laughs) Look, I I I. I can tell you I've been to to, I haven't been to to Greyhound trainers I've been to horse trainers I have seen how the horses are taken care of in those trainers yards and I can say the the care that they have has been exceptional but it would be it would be remiss of me not to put figures to you. Uh, when you say fine. that I'm supporting this industry, it would be remiss of me not to say to you, well, this is an industry that also causes... I'm not saying that that means that all greyhound trainers are terrible villains in this. I'm just saying that the plain okay. well, facts fair. are borne out well, that look, there are we'll, dogs we'll, that...
3: We'll, 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 we'll agree. We'll agree to be Disagree. And, and 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 I respect you. And uh, I will I will always say about everything because <laughs> I really believe that I have no monopoly in being right all the time. Yeah. But I but I, I I just believe in the people who I know do great work and well, we're very proud of the work they do every day from early morning till late at night. And, 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 I, and I
1: talk up for those people. And and that is why I wanted to just come to you just before we finish. Th- and you probably are no doubt aware of this um, this morning in the Farmers Journal um, that. I suppose of those people, three and four would vote for a new farmers' party now. They're saying they want a new Irish farmers' party. Uh, Since the rise of the uh, BBB in the Netherlands, that's no doubt something you've had an an eye on. Um, Is this a farmers' party that will include rural independence? Or do you think that people are looking at rural independence and saying we want something different?
3: Well, I belong uh, to a group, uh, the, the, the rural independent group, who um, we come together in a technical type of an arrangement with regard to speaking time. But ideologically, a lot of our opinions would be the same, uh, We would be predominantly what I would call from the pro-life campaign side of the House. And uh, we would be very much aligned in, in our thinking and a lot of the way we look on, on things. But for example, am I going joining some other party or something? I absolutely am not, because I'm elected as an independent, and uh, I was elected, uh, I was selected in the first instance to replace my father on the as being the candidate from the Ray mm-hmm. family. To, to run instead of him when he retired from politics back in 2011. And I was very glad to be uh, selected and to run and to have held on to the seat since then. And I will continue to do
1: that do you, the years ahead. Do you see but, this though as a, as, a, as a criticism of farmers of the work that the rural Independence has done to say that they're now looking for a new party to take well, over? Not
3: not at all. I think no. if people want to see a new grouping coming together, sure, of course, wouldn't that be great? Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that I necessarily won't be joining any other group. I, I am an independent A and that's what I will be in the future if the people will have me. You can only be there if the people
1: want to. All right. Absolutely. And look, um, as we say, puck fair this week. It's going to be, yes. uh, ah, be a huge event yeah yes. and it's going to be a and huge win and
3: head
1: to Kerry <laughs> well, I don't know it's always uh, whenever I head down there it's always a beautiful play, part of the world to be uh, Michael okay. Healy Ray look, thank you welcome. thank you so much for not only the call but the very robust debate this morning and um, look thank enjoy you. the puck fair that's what life is all about all thank right, you.
2: Right, take thanks. care thanks. talk to Neil Prenderville now 0818 104
1: 106 Cork's Red FM now, my thanks again to Michael Healy Ray Independent TD for South Kerry and as like I say not just for taking the call but for the robust debate and I, when we talk about those protests outside the city library having a good strong debate where people can see each other's point of view I think it would be uh, great to have a lot more of that um, going back to the uh, some of the prizes we have this week for you Cork and a Fork and um, our friends down there they are um, doing an enormous festival as they always do really highlighting the best of produce right across the city. Uh, today we will have two tickets for the tasting trail with Fab Food Trails which takes place on August 17th 18th And 19th. So do get yourself down there. We will have uh, tickets uh, for that later on. Telling us all about your summer story.
2: Show, Red FM. All right,
1: all right, all right. Motoring rather rapidly into the second hour of this Thursday's show, the 10th of August, 2023. But coming back to yesterday's text, you were speaking about the shocking waiting lists, even this morning with Paul Sheridan uh, from the Tour de Munster. 14,000, over 14,000 Irish children waiting on support services across a wide range of occupational, um, as you know, psychotherapy, you um, know, you, know, you talk about SAs, all these things, um, 14,000 children with additional needs um, being left down by the services at the moment. Text comes in says, Hi, Kevin, love the show as a mam to a daughter with SAD and some additional needs. I also think it's so unfair that some schools are doing in school July provision, but not all schools, such a lack of resources. And I suppose it's the lack of consistency, really, is what really uh, annoys people. That if you're living in one area and you're in one school, you might get access to services. Services, but if you just happen to be unfortunate enough to be in another area you don't get them um, so going back to Teresa Teresa who was in touch with us quite a number of weeks ago about her situation her uh, son Pierce living in uh, a, they're living in Castle Martyr but he's going to school in Cope and trying to get up and down the road He's bowel issues which means he's having to go to the toilet on the side of the road and really just so undignified for a vulnerable child really just not acceptable in this day and age this text says poor Teresa I can hear the stress in her, her voice they literally leave us special needs parents drowning in our own worries my heart is broke for her and her son it is disgusting how we are treated that comes in from Mary um, thanks to Michael O'Maney a former neighbour of mine in the Pierce Road in Ballifian he says uh, sounds like I've been doing it for longer than I have thank you very much um, nice to hear and nice to hear from you Michael O'Maney as well um, great to hear you're all doing well on Pierce Square um, and again thanks to Pat for his text of support as well um, on West Cork's Connects I was talking to Damien Long about the New Scale Connect service and the difficulties they're having they're saying they can't even get a bus stop in the town of Ballina despite investing over a million euros in the service that they just can't get stuff done. Um, and the people at can sail are the ones that are being ultimately left down and people who are trying to use our city's airport which to its credit is absolutely fantastic I mean any time you fly in and out of that airport it's an absolute dream but if you don't have a car trying to get there is very much on the opposite ends of the spectrum um, they said and there's Eamon spending hundreds Eamon Ryan of course um, Minister for the Environment and head of the, the the Green Party spending hundreds of millions on greenways walkways enhancements etc and we have this horror tran- transport issue he is a joke and like I mean even talk to the people in 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 y'all um you know they're talking about you know trying to make it up to town trying to get around and fantastic there's a brand new uh, greenway that's going in from Middleton to y'all and nobody would doubt that having a greenway and having walkway spaces is really important to get people out and get people active but not in replacement of railways that's the big issue we're we're not putting down walkways and cycleways alongside rail tracks where people can get the train if they need or better yet where you have in Germany people can cycle to the station, they can get on the train with their bike and then they can get off with their bike and cycle on to their ultimate destination I mean that should be the goal you want to be able to cycle to Yall station get the train from Yall to Middleton or up to Cork and then be able to get on their way with their bike you can't expect people to daily <laughs> commute from Yall to Cork on their bicycle, it's just, it's just nonsense somebody says in Germany after COVID-19 they brought in all bus and train travel for 10 euro a month, that would be great here especially if the Greens want people to stop using their cars, I also add in Germany they have a Pass now I think it's about 47 euros or 45 euros a month and that entitles you to travel on any regional train or bus service around the country for an entire month I mean imagine if we had that something like that here 50 quid for a month let's say or you pay I don't know what's the 50 by 12 you know you pay 500 quid a year let's say and you get free public transport or not free public transport but you get your public transport covered for the year with that card People will be chomping at the... Because people do want to use public transport. People, People don't want to be sitting in traffic. But equally, they don't want to be waiting for a bus... And then getting on the bus and then being stuck in the same traffic as cars are on the bus, and then having to get off the bus and arriving nowhere near where they want to be. Um, they also say they should add a 206A bus onto the 206 Grange route that continues from Frankfield up to the airport once an hour or so. That's the final uh, text on that one. Now, John O'Donovan, you're line too. John, um, you were listening to my conversation with Michael Healy Ray. What do you think? I
4: 100% agree with Michael Healy Ray. Okay. But for the simple reason. Look, no one can put an actual date on that festival. Some say it goes back as far well as the 17th century, right? But even historians can't find a staff date for it, right? But the point being that it's been there, like, for hundreds of years, right? Okay. Now, so, I agree with my dear, here. Like, what is happening now is that uh, the minority, you know, is calling the shots here, right? It's the tail wagging the dog. And that seems to be happening right across the board now here. And people are getting just about sick of it, at this stage you now. That okay. court up on the, uh, the podium right, for three days like has a better health plan than anyone else in the country. That, that would be code. hard. That, exactly. It wouldn't <laughs> be hard because you know, judging in the back of the square so, uh, uh, numbers there, nobody moved to children waiting on cams um, people a million people on the waiting list, that court gets the best of medical care twice a day for the three days he's up there. You show me the man, woman or child, Kevin, in this country that get that kind of medical attention on tap.
1: It's not there. It won't happen. Like, we... (laughs) And I know you're going to say this uh, snowflake generation and all that, but like we have no idea what effect mentally that has on that animal. Like when you talk about pigs being emotionally intelligent, we talk about horses being extremely emotionally intelligent. Goats also have a level of emotional intelligence. And I imagine being hoisted in a floating box above, you know, a, a lot of, of huge crowds of people away from their herd. That, that can't, you can't tell me that that goat is happy and delighted to be in a cage swinging above the road.
4: Well, it's uh, look if you if you break it down to the domestic dog or cat. That uh, people are overworked every yeah, day and the dog is stuck in the backyard. There are thousands upon thousands of dogs, as I'm speaking to you this morning, stuck inside in a room or stuck out in the backyard waiting until the person comes in. And dogs, it has been well known, like you I mean, that dogs do pine from from loneliness, like they miss the human contact. That's why when a dog will see a coming, he gets all excited. Absolutely. It's the
1: company, like when he sees his master or he or she coming. So I mean like no, but uh, ab- but like a dog in a a dog in a back garden right and i I wouldn't certainly ever leave dogs out at night or anything like that, but a dog in a back garden left out for an hour is very different to a goat being put in a cage where it can't move, it can't roam around like I know you're saying it has medical care, and uh, that's that's very true yeah. it's not it's not going to be left to die, but that doesn't mean that it's that it's that it's being put in a good condition, that just means that they're making sure that it's not sick.
4: Well, well, that's that's the whole idea. But I mean, like he's just there for three days. No, he's going to appear at the start and at the end which to me defeats the whole purpose of it Puck Fair it's all about the goat it's a symbol and now it's a pagan it's going not way really back though is said. it
1: like it's it's, it's it's about the goat in the way that people go out drinking on St. Patrick's Day about St. Patrick or people give presents at Christmas because of Jesus Christ it's just it's not really about the goat at this point isn't it the goat might have kicked the whole thing off but now it's just an excuse for, for an ease up
4: oh, i bet you well I suppose you look Jesus let's be honest Kevin you've been to many festivals like myself around the country like most of them just a piss up anywhere like we know that but th- th- this is a symbol like me this, th- the goat is the symbol of Pope Fair and I see no problem with the way it was being handled but again as I said it's tail wagging dog you're know, the same with the Rose of they're missing to messing with that no they're to bring Captain Thomas on board again you know, the interaction between them, the male and all the females. That what's, what's,
1: what's, wrong with Catherine? what's wrong with having a second female presenter on the Rose of trey But you see, the, again, it's tea-wagging dog time
4: again. It, it's, it, it's this political correctness. It's this, oh, this is a misogynist festival. But is no it, it wasn't. Is there, there was not a lesson Engaging, is there not a lesson engaging, to... engaging with, with females. Yeah. Like can have the crack in the banter. Like, the way things are going in, in, in this world, you know, shortly, like, male and female... The species will die out because there'd be no interaction because but everything would be so competitive.
1: Why? But why? You're, you're telling me Catherine Thomas, as a female, can't have banter with another female. So a female and female, or male same. and male banter, it's not the same. Oh, does I, because I'll it doesn't an have example. an undertone of sexuality to it. it, it it's,
4: it's not. It's not the same. It, it's like a man admiring a woman, right? Yeah. A woman will never see herself as a man sees her. He sees her totally different. A woman will look in the mirror and she, no matter how good she looks, she still find fault to herself. But when a man sees her, like a man looks at a woman and sees a woman totally different.
1: Yeah, but and is... Is, wo- is a woman... Sorry, my jam, that's my apologies. Is, there, okay. is a woman not... Um, is, is a... Like, does it... Does it uh, w- <laughs> I just I don't understand the argument you're saying that because women because women don't see each other equally they can't have equal banter so you're telling me hen nights you're telling me group friends of girls that go out you're telling me any female friendship you can't have the same level of fun that a man and a woman can have when a man no, is having no, I, flirty I, banter I, with not, a woman I,
4: I, I, I'm not saying that but I mean and, and the format that they had just again as I like change in like the book thing is that in the with the rose no the banter between the male which was Dahi or whoever else be doing it in the future right it, you won't get that between woman and woman the banter between the male and the female is totally different the crack the vibe everything is different
5: but and sir would you, would,
1: you not have ban- would you not have even more banter now between Catherine and Dahi is that not man and woman banter and now there's even more of that because we have a mix in presenters
4: well, the whole idea is the banter with the the, the contestants, obviously, which are the rules, right? You know,
1: and I I, I think again this but is all. Sir, again Ty isn't banned from talking to them. Like, it's not like he's been told you have to sit in the corner there now and only Catherine's allowed to talk to the oh, contestants. I know, you know? Mean, again, it's just said, not I as it's not as lovely, girls' father Ted as he used to be. But well, I, I think people I can said, appreciate I, that times have moved on.
4: I tell you something; it's a pity. Like, I mean, maybe that we didn't get something like that going way back because it makes a hell of a lot of money for Charlie, and we could. Pad- do with that in chalk
1: the business it, of here on chalk it down but I mean I, I'm i sure we can put on events we're talking about Cork and a Fork we can put on events that don't necessarily mean men leering at women now I'm not saying that he was leering at women or anything like that but I'm just saying that whole uh, you know how's your mother kind of uh, banter like when you see, we're, look, we're ha- kind of better than any? that aren't we I guarantee you
4: like when that comes on over there it, it's a bonding session for mothers and daughters and for groups of girls because I was in a years ago there know there was a, fee, uh, like a teenage daughter was there and the mother and I sit with and watch it was it today. Like many mothers and daughters there are many groups of girls, sisters they all love it. There's no one for fault to this. Or and,
1: you're, and, the- and you're telling me they'd love it less because Catherine Thomas is now involved in it?
4: No, I I think that this you're interfering with something. There, there, there's there, there's just a connection there between the male and the female, and it's a different balance. I, 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 I just I just don't
1: I just don't understand I, I, how you like because it's not like it would be different now, right? I appreciate this, and like, these are this is something that does. Uh, bo- uh, Annoy me, right? When we we talk about uh, female inclusivity, particularly when it comes to sport, right? You look at female a female sporting event like an All Ireland Camogie final, and it's an all female panel. But then mm-hmm. that's totally acceptable. But then when you see a male event, it also has to have a female on the panel. Like my feeling about this would be surely and there is a certain amount of you know if you can't see them then you know if you need to be seen for, for to encourage others and I appreciate that argument but like really you should be picking people based on their merit if they have something interesting to say and if they're an expert in their field or if they, if they really know the game or hurling or camogie or football in this context I'm just talking about this context then they should be on the show if, 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 if sh- nobody should be brought in purely because of their gender but Catherine Thomas is a, is a long standing very good presenter with RT she knows or stuff I can tell you I don't think the Rose of Trilly is going to be any worse off with Catherine Thomas involved in it
4: well I just think that, again as I said you know it's just that after interfering with something There was, there's a different crack a different connection like, between the male and the female and I think that's possibly going to be lost and i finish finishing this is a uh, right rightly really, mentioned horse racing and <coughs> the, the political crack road out there look if uh, the greyhound racing was banned in the morning, completely, and if horse racing was banned, horses would disappear, greyhounds would disappear. Greyhounds are bred for one thing, for racing. Horses are bred for one thing, for racing. You win both of those, and there'll be no more horses, no more
1: racing. But, uh, yeah, I, I look, I, uh, I mean, I'm sure you probably saw the report a couple of weeks ago that showed how many people were actually yeah. attending y'all. Greyhound track. How I many mean, punters? Yeah. Not trainers, or not anything else. There's, there's mm-hmm. I think, there's an average of is it four or five people going through the gates every meet yep. that are just average mm-hmm. punters. Like I think the appetite for that is lost, isn't it?
4: Well, and uh, well, it's, it's still popular, but I mean that section, million yard, seems to have a problem. But I also don't agree with the amount of money going into horse racing for tax from tax or the greyhound industry, you know. Like, but saying that. As I said, I wouldn't go banning stuff either. Look, if I won the latter in the morning and I bought a place we say in the country and the local hunt guy came along and he said John we've been hunting in this land for years we just want your permission now to hunt the fox over the land i say you have my full permission because it's tradition in Ireland it's rural pursuits the fox 99 times over 100 will get away because he knows the, the, the highways and byways." so yeah. th- th- look, this is and this is
1: where I would this is where and it's great that we have a democracy that we can have these conversations because in, in that case I would say there no hope you're going on my land you can you can you can, you can take a faster <laughs> And you can could, you could hop along because it's not just the fox, but you're talking about all the beagles that get lost, all the dogs that, you know, that's I, I find I find it very hard to stomach. As somebody who lived very near where hunts used to take place, I always mm-hmm. found it very hard to stomach the whole the whole hunting. And I appreciate its tradition, but like, yep. you know, it was also tradition before for slaves to arrive in America or, you know, there was there's lots of things that were done, the done thing years ago that have been phased out now, thankfully. I, I, yeah,
4: and well, I, 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 I can understand... It yeah. there's a big difference of hunting a man I suppose no, for the colour of his skin like I mean ah, no, I know
1: and I'm not trying to make a, the, I'm a, a just windy, saying that a fox I yeah, mean,
4: that I know. knows, knows the geography and every
1: way but I'm just saying you know there are traditions that have been there and the world is constantly moving and I appreciate that some people feel that it's moving too fast and that all of a sudden there seems to be a very accelerated growth but like we change is inevitable do you know what I mean and you just, well, just, there's no stopping it you just have to I suppose fix to how but,
4: much but you're isn't waiting Isn't amazing? Like, you I mean, the changes have become, as I said, as guards like the Calargon, and it was a but the very thing uh, that you were highlighting there, like the, the amount of children waiting, like I mean, for special needs and everything, and that, that can seem to change overnight, but everything else can. Isn't it amazing, isn't it? Yeah.
1: No, but it's, 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 um I, 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 I cannot explain the the, the the waiting list times. I cannot explain the, the health service no. generally. I just I just can't no. explain. Well, I I, the I, I I I'll I finish that. on this.
4: It's, it's I, I had to pay a thousand euro for a test. I would. I thank God it turned up negative because it would went the other way. But I mean, it cost me a thousand euro of my own money, which is a lot of money, right? Hmm. And the whole thing about it is that, like, if I was to go to Copenhagen, I would have to pay over a thousand euro to be checked out.
1: No, but you would have to. Would you be happy to sit in a cage for three days, hoisted within the confines, well, and not be able if, to? If I thought I could have saved that thousand euro by sitting in a the
4: cage, house, then you will do it. <laughs> that's, a, that's an extreme
1: way to save money, John. Thank you so much for joining us. Good as luck. ever, take Thanks. care. Bye. Call the
2: Neil Prenderville Show now 0818 104 106 Red FM
1: And you can call us 0818 104 106 text or whatsapp 0868 104 or email neil at redfm.e and I will be firing through a lot of the texts that we have because there's been a huge reaction to my conversation with Michael Healy Ray and indeed with John and Donovan and I do really appreciate all of your texts, even the ones um, who are very much in disagreement but that is the democracy that we live in um, well, text right here says, Kevin the minister on your news, this was yesterday's news, said he he didn't think it was right that 16-year-olds be given a vote but he doesn't have a problem with them then accessing pornography in the library. Who is he trying to protect? Himself. Um, And that's just the the electoral commission is to research lowering the voting age. The actual senator doesn't think the voting age should be reduced Um, so just to to make that very clear, that was Michael McDowell, former Taunashta. On the Noonan's road report, we know that councillors and central government get reports and studies done and everything. They can't just make a decision on something and do it. They get these reports and then don't act on them. It will be interesting to know how many reports they've commissioned on various topics, how much they've cost and how many of those reports were followed through. A city councillor was on your programme a few weeks back and said the city council should move the people out, knock it all down and in two years rebuild it and get the people back in. If he thinks that the government and city council are going to do all that in two years, he is on another planet. They can't even make a decision on building a properly managed public toilet in the city centre that comes from Deni- uh, Desi. Yesterday I was talking to Alan O'Reilly from Car- Hello weather, weather, about the weather or indeed climate that we're having at the moment. Uh, climate change, climate 19, climate change. It's all about taxes and um, talking about uh, Kyle O'Reilly being cancelled if he says the wrong thing. Um, very militant. Again, it's, it's a thing about it's a question of whether you're willing to sit down and have an actual informed conversation with people or whether you just want to shout and name call at them. And I'm not just talking about... the the side who are anti-climate well I suppose climate change denying or don't believe that climate change is an issue but also those who really do believe that climate change is an issue you actually have to sit down and talk to each other lads there's no point in screaming at each other across the divide and finally Hi Kev uh, the fact that we have the most state funded charities and NGOs in Europe I said that that we we have such a lack of services in the state that it probably is probably the reason why we have the highest amount of registered charities in the continent has less to do with the services they provide and more to do with the manipulative political lobbying power that they deliver and that is from Richie and Torres. Thank you very much for your text. Remember you can get in touch with us 086 or call us uh, 0818 104 but I want to come to Emily here because um, we're into a season where people are about trying to get away, um, that the passport services are absolutely stretched to their max. I know we've had some very, very rare successes with the passport office in the past. And Emily, you're hoping that I suppose we might be able to get something done for yourself. Tell tell us about what happened uh, to yourself and your family.
6: Um, when my stepmother had passed away, um, three weeks ago. Very sorry to hear that. And. Um, my brother's family was going to take him away to take his mind off the of things, mm-hmm. and we had said that he had no passport, so it wouldn't be back in time. And um, we had known that ourselves.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: So um, my father had went to Ken Collins, and um, and he had said. Go ahead with the passport, and just give us the reference number, and we will get that sorted. And we will push that to get your son away. Okay. And we had done so, and we had got the reference number and everything. And now they're telling us, "Oh, sorry, we can't do anything now."
1: Uh, how has your brother been over the the last number of uh, number of weeks? Must be extremely difficult for him.
6: Uh, very hard. He's he's only fifteen. He hasn't come out of the room, and the holiday was getting him, you know, a bit.
1: Yeah, a bit of a bit of a, a, a pick me up.
6: Yeah, to just yeah. get out of here and go and enjoy himself, just to take his mind off of it. You know, losing your mama, fifteen is not Jesus, not easy. So he was looking forward to it, and. Yeah then no, it's the point of having to tell him look, actually they said they won't even yeah, get more, your passport more for you
1: So look, I don't want to mention the TDs involved because we will be speaking to them and hoping that Look, we would just want to give them the right of reply before we continue on but you obviously contacted a few TDs and the feeling at the time was that something was going to be able to be done
6: Yeah, and we had our hopes up for it you know, for him, not not for anybody else, but for him.
1: Mm. Where was he due to fly off to, or where is he due still to fly off to?
6: Um, I actually don't know if I'm speaking on behalf of my dad, um, but I, um, I can I can get the flight, his flight and his seat and everything it's paid for.
1: Yeah. And is it packaged or is it Ryanair or what's the what's the situation do you know like cuz if if something can't be done can it be changed in any way or
6: well we haven't even asked because we don't we're still hoping um we've rang the passport office ourselves um but i say what did,
1: what did they say to you
6: oh no basically no. basically they can't
1: no luck so he had never had a passport before this, am I right in saying that? This is his first first yes,
6: passport? no, this okay. is his first passport, And
1: yeah. you had um, you had obviously booked it two weeks ahead, so I suppose you were hoping to get a new you'd imagine though I mean, I know it takes longer to get a passport done but you'd imagine two weeks would would be enough time maybe to get it done I, d- I don't know, I mean, it's they're obviously flooded, the passport office, they're absolutely Well,
6: it's been, I, I'd say it's been nearly it's two weeks now, it's kind of gone in Um and when we had rang the passport office we had said look we done it online and you know all this carry on and they were just we kind of just got no satisfaction it was just like no you just kind of have to wait really yeah
1: and how long is it now before so hes it, it's been two weeks since you put in the application and he has another two weeks left before he has to fly out
6: yeah, and okay. they're saying no not you think, not, a, no, you
1: think I a month I don't know now the, the guys inside might be able to give me a heads up on what the expected waiting time for new passports is Um, for myself I just don't have that to hand at the moment but um, but look it is something that we can we can flag with the passport office and see what they can do but like I can tell you Emily and I'm, I'm not saying this to, to get your hopes down or anything like that because you would hope that in with two weeks left you'd still be okay and with a little nudge but the amount of people that have been contacting our show in the last two years trying to get passports and like it is just it's just because I suppose the, the fact that people weren't able to go away for so long passports ran right out people didn't yeah. realise it but you would hope that in this case like I mean how much of this how much would this this trip away do for him because it, especially with the weather at the moment it's just it's you know it's so it's so difficult to try and get any sort of respite of
6: course and with him never being away he was kind of like oh you know, I'm finally getting away now mm. that it's my my time, and now it's just like a, a, another little step back for him.
1: Mm. What's it? What's it been like for you in terms of you know trying to, I suppose, support your 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 partner when they when they are or sorry, take support your brother, should I say after after this? You must be well. It's very difficult to try know how to be there or what to say, isn't it?
6: Yeah, it's just like I'm. I'm trying to be strong for them and trying to hold hold everything together for them. And no, I've told him like, look, if it's not going to be, if you're not going to get away in the two weeks, you know, we're going to get you. We're going to get him away. You know, when it, if it does come, we're gonna we're gonna get you away and yeah. take your mind off of it.
1: Yeah, I mean. It's, it's it's I was, I was travelling last week and it struck me how easy it is like if you're living in a Holland or if you're living in a Belgium you can just get in your car drive all the way down to France on the motorway and nobody says anything but here you're having to because of Schengen and because of everything we're constantly having to jump through hoops just to get anywhere on holidays
6: yeah exactly you're just having to fight all the time for it you know mm-hmm. and I had even explained to them like we could pay extra or we, we will drive to Dublin to collect it. We will do whatever it takes. If you could just give us a little bit to say, look, we'll have it ready or maybe next week or even the day before he was is due to go away. We have, like, I had explained, and we've no problem in driving up there yeah. to Dublin to collect it. Yeah, we have stay no overnight. problem in paying extra.
1: One hundred percent, go from there.
6: And it's just like, no, sorry, you just have to wait.
1: Now how's he? To, how's he taking that news in terms of you telling him that this mightn't end up happening?
6: He's just kind of like, oh, you know, it's okay. Yeah. He's telling us, you know. And we're just like, look, don't worry about it. There's
1: nothing worse, though, like to, you know, because like, obviously we're looking forward to trying to do that you know trying to get him sorted and you were trying to give him a bit of good news and it almost feels like kind of dangling the good news in front of him only to take it away again afterwards take it away uh, again yeah yeah the lads have just pulled it up there now so um, first time online application 20 working days so I don't know exactly when you would have uh, applied for it but if you said it was two weeks ago and you had the full range then you'd imagine four weeks is 20 working days right course yeah. and they they have told have you said to them like so when you contacted the passport office did you say to them when are we getting it or did you just say like you know will we be able Um, to get it before this date
6: um, did you get your reference number Um, I said I did I did and they said well it should be on that um, when you track it of your estimated time I said it is I said and my estimated time is for and um, the 30th of this month <laughs> I said but I'm just ringing to see can I pay more can I come up and grab it can we just get it done that little bit faster
1: yeah i just. Sure. I know. I know. I know they are. They're absolutely inundated. Um, for we have a text here. Got a new passport two weeks ago. Uh, was done online and waited seven weeks in total. My cousin was renewed. Waited only six days, but for me it was seven weeks. Um, rang them every few days, but got no satisfaction. Just had to wait it out. Twenty working days is only an estimate. It's, that's what this texter says, and I hate to be. um I just I hate to be the bearer of bad news, you know. And I and I look at it, not as all, all is not lost, certainly. As I said, we will contact them um for you on your behalf to try and see. But even when we contact the passport office, we, we were kinda of, we were snowed under ourselves trying to contact the passport office and it was just it was just the same thing, but we can keep our fingers crossed um for your brother. Um just for people like it's ten working days for a simple renewal, fifteen for a complex, fifteen for a child, and then twenty working days for a first time on app on. Application and passport cards then are three to five working days, so slightly less. Is there any way that you might be able to apply for the passport card? Would that make it any way easier, or as opposed to having to go for the full book? Because I suppose maybe he will need a full passport, I suppose, for a first time application. Yeah.
6: Yeah, maybe we hadn't even had thought of the card.
1: Yeah. to be honest. Because the card does, uh, despite the issues that I had last week with it, the card does generally work in terms of um, trying to get, uh, trying to get. if you're anywhere in Europe, it'll work for you to travel anywhere in Europe. So it might be that might be an option, you might be able to go down, but uh, I don't know what to say to you, Emily. That's so disappointing for him, you know. It's been through enough already.
6: I know, of course, and we're just hoping and still praying that somebody or something will just pull through for us and yeah. just have him to get away
1: so look we will um as i said the lads will will send over the clip of the, our conversation over to the guys in the passport office we're hoping but look i just i just don't want to be over promising anything just from the fact that we have been so uh, just inundated with so many passport questions and you know the passport officer telling us the same thing they're saying look tell us send us on the reference number but um, Emily look we, we will do our absolute best for you and, and thank you so much for coming on and uh, all we can do is, is cross our fingers and hope that your brother gets what he needs uh, before, he, uh, before he has to has to fly away Yeah of
6: course thank you so much
1: Thank you Emily thank you This is the Neil Prenderville Show
2: Text and WhatsApp
1: 086-8104-106 8 Cork's Red FM Neil at redfm.ie and indeed 0818-104-106 if you are so inclined. I want to go through a few texts here before I move on, particularly on the subject of the library protest. Um, a texter says, if you think this book is suitable for children, read a few chapters on the radio. I bet you won't. I won't do that. And I'll tell you exactly why I won't do that. And this encompasses my whole feeling about this book, uh, which is a book I have, by the way, seen. I've seen the most egregious chapters that people would say and the reason why I won't read it out on air and the reason why I think the book should also still be in the library is that it's up to people themselves to make the decision we talk about living in a democracy and we talk about trusting people as parents of their own children And if you're a parent of a child and your child wants access to that book in the public library, then that's absolutely fine. If you decided that's fine for your child to read and you've read it yourself and you've taken the time to understand the book and you still decide, I think this is good for my child's development, they're in a position where they're questioning their own sexuality, they don't know about what's safe and what's not safe, they don't know going into the world what that's about or I decide that I want to read it with them, that's absolutely fine. If you decide that your child doesn't want you don't want your child to read that that you think it's filth that you think it shouldn't be for their eyes that's also fine but that's your call as a parent to make it's not society's call to decide what children should and shouldn't be reading I mean to a obviously to a certain extent i mean i don't think anybody would want mine Kampf in the library but you know when it comes to a book that a lot of teenagers have said in the past and a lot of people have said has actually really made a big difference to them in terms of understanding their sexuality then that's your responsibility as it would be for anything else as it would be for, I remember the outcry for Grand Theft Auto back in the day because people were saying it's not suitable for kids but ultimately it's up to the parents to decide what's suitable for their child and for not. So who are you to say that this child even if so if I have a child who is gay and they're saying to me there's a new book It's I, I've heard about it it's it's really, it's really going to be really helpful um, I'd really appreciate if I could go and look at it. Then for me to go into the library and say oh well sorry um, that book was ripped up so therefore you're not entitled to no, I'm not saying that they didn't rip up the book from the library. I know that they bought it and brought it in. But ultimately, if that leads to that book being banned from the library, that means for me to turn around to my 14 or 15-year-old son or daughter and say, I'm sorry, people weren't happy with that book being in the library, so you can't read it. Even though I agree with you reading with it, and I think it will be beneficial for you, you can't read it because these people have decided that it's not to go in the library. And that is my quintessential issue with this it's down to the parents to decide what is acceptable and what's not for their child and if your child is walking into a library and taking out that book and you don't know anything about it then that's down to you i'm sorry you should be it's down to the parents of children to decide and to be looking after what they're what they're looking at or not and I know that's obviously very difficult for parents and I know that you can't watch everything that your children are doing. But, I mean, going into a library and taking out a few books, if if this is something that's so important to them and something that they do want to take out, then I really don't see the issue. It's up to library staff to make sure that children that are six and seven and eight and really probably shouldn't be seeing that to do that. That's a question for a different... Uh, it's another argument for another day. But should the book be banned from the library? No. Should I be reading it out on air? No, because it's not for any one person to decide what kids should be and shouldn't be listening to um when it comes to their own sexuality. Um, another texter, Hi Kevin, one single statement, you both highlighted the problem while at the same time adding to it. Words have meaning. Far right is synonymous with fascism and far right and left is synonymous with communism. Absolutely. You don't get to brand people far right or far left for that matter because they happen to view the world differently from you. I completely agree. Isn't it a tad disingenuous for you to suggest people to sit down and come together and hammer out a solution when you publicly promote the idea of branding these people as extremists? You're just not listening though, Richie. I'm sorry, you're not listening to what I said. What I said was that people shouldn't be branding each other as far right and far left and that they should be coming together and having a conversation and that branding people far right and far left is only widening the gap between people and ultimately we won't come to these solutions. And that's why this next protest to Cork says no. Ultimately you will have people on one side calling people perverts, you'll have people on the other side calling people Nazis. And, and what, does it, what does it serve to do? But, does it say, all it serves to do is divide people even further, so that's why I have an issue with these protests and counter protests if people if the If the people that are involved in these groups want to sit down and have a discussion with with the Cork city council and with head the union representative for the library staff, absolutely if people have concerns and they have issues about the book being in that library, they are absolutely entitled to do that but standing outside the library and hurling insults at each other i I don't know. I just don't see what it serves. Um joining me on the line is John Lowe from the John, we were speaking this morning. Um good morning by the way. Um good morning. <laughs> we were speaking this morning about mortgage rental rises re- mortgage rises, rental rises. Um it is an extremely difficult uh, landscape now for anybody who isn't in a privileged position to have a house to walk into.
7: It absolutely is. This is the first time, by the way, in over 10 years that it's crept over the 4% rate. Um, you're looking at the average uh, across Europe is 3.79%, like the highest uh, in, in uh, the Eurozone is Latvia at 6%, but you got Malta, which is the cheapest at 1.93. Um, it's a killer, and I was, I was saying there earlier to Seamus that um, 15 years ago, um, when the uh, tracker rates were all oh, the rage and suddenly they went up a. Quarter percent and they went to a quarter percent every single month for a year and at the end of one year three percent people were screaming to get out of them mm. and then of course having got out and got fixed rates um within two years the ecb dropped it to zero percent for um, and for 11 years and those on tracker rates were were like you know laughing all the way to the bank
1: so people aren't necessarily in a position though to leave aren't they a lot of people are trapped in the mortgages that they have
7: Well, they aren't really because they can... I mean, my advice to mortgage holders is, first of all, go to your own bank. If you're on a tracker or a standard variable rate, go to your own bank, first of all, because that's going to be the cheapest option, and find out what fixed rates they offer. And don't forget that if you have a very good kind of greenhouse uh, your bear rating is either b3 or better then you'll you'll avail at the best rate and so you get 3.6 percent um you, you know a good kind of five-year fixed rate is about 4.25 percent uh and that's still kind of high there's still a couple of hikes left uh, this year as well so you know if you want security of payment that's the cheapest way to go about it which is to your own lender first of all and then if, if your own lender is not being competitive and they're not giving you uh, uh, rates that are being offered by other um, lenders then move, don't be afraid to move
1: Yeah, that's obviously if you're on a tracker rate if you're on a fixed rate mortgage I suppose the the advice which I was certainly told uh, when I got my mortgage not so long ago mm. was um, go Take a low, uh, take a, a short term, and basically hope that mortgage rates will come down in the next couple of years. I think we were approved for a three year um, at, at just over four percent. That's what we're on, and we're hoping that in three years' time, when we renegotiate, it'll be a totally different landscape. Yeah, I'm not
7: sure. Uh, to be honest, when did you take that out? About a year oh, ago or so? Did even
1: you? less, I'd say, maybe two months ago.
7: Ah, Well, then, you know, who knows? It's certainly worth uh, taking the the risk. Um, I wouldn't be going and changing that anytime soon now. But certainly, uh, the chances are that when you come off in three years time, the the rates will be higher are actually going to be a a greater um, that they will be higher. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, you, I mean, uh, the, the, we don't know what, what what is going to happen in the future. I mean, the war could escalate in, in the Ukraine. All sorts of things could happen. So uh, you just have to go. I mean, who is to know that the ECB were going to reduce the rates down to 0% and then stay for 11 years?
1: And do you think that we're kind of playing catch up now because that of that it always what's it's what always struck me is that it's almost you know we had zero percent for so long because we were in an economic downturn, but now we're is there a sense of trying to make hay while the sun shines?
7: uh no, I don't think there is there i mean it, it really is a question that um you know we we have lagged behind when when the e c b started putting their rates up for the first time you know ten months ago or more. Um, some of the banks here didn't actually pass on those rates, especially to their um, standard variable rate holders, Mm -hmm. mortgage holders. The tracker rates, yes, they got them straight away. They got the full brunt. But um, now they're passing it on because they can no longer um, sustain the the cost. Um, Mind you, they are a bit slow in putting up the deposit rates as well, so they're getting it both ways
1: is enough being done in terms of trying to cap mortgage rates I mean we're looking here in Cork City the average year on year change now you're in Cork City you're now paying almost 1800 euros more a month on your mortgage than you were last year I mean that the people just can't afford that can they
7: well, well, they're talking about uh, there's a, a, a kind of a political group formed to try and put pressure on the government to give some kind of relief to mortgage holders. Now, if you know that, you know, if you buy to let, uh, you get a hundred percent relief, tax relief on the interest you pay on that mortgage. Um, Why not to, you know, I mean, it would cost a huge amount of money to the taxpayers, not just the government, um, to to bring that kind of into force. But maybe that's a solution to bring in some kind of uh, interest um, relief.
1: Are you finding John that um, there's still a huge amount of I suppose like we're looking at rental prices going up seven point four percent in Cork City eight point eight percent in Cork County so the still that the the money is very much still in buying and taking out a mortgage even with the the rising mortgage prices it's still costing out of a lot less than it would be to rent.
7: Well, absolutely. I can bring that to to my own kind of home. My son went and bought a, or rented a one-bedroom apartment in Rathmines Mines about two years ago. And he was paying 1,800 euros, which is now, by the way, that same one-bedroom apartment is 2,200. But when I went into the apartment, um, I, I just got my phone out and I found that in the same block, there was a one-bedroom apartment going for 270,000. So I knew that my son, uh, who's a the accountant, had at least twenty seven thousand. So I said, you know, you, you could get a 90% mortgage and it would be half your rent now uh, over a 35-year period. And that's exactly what he did. He went out and he bought a place in Clam Brazzledry. The ironic thing about that, by the way, Kevin, is that uh, when Garth Brooks came to town, this two-bedroom uh, apartment in Clam Brazzledry, he got 1500 a night for it's just
1: so, it's, but I mean, it is like why why is it that and I know obviously Ireland isn't necessarily the highest as obviously Latvia being the highest 6% six and we're obviously below the likes of the Netherlands of 4.06 Lithuania 5.62 but we're we're paying more than Be- Germany we're paying more than Belgium we're paying more than Spain we're paying more than France why is it that this country is just so damn expensive to, to, when it comes to uh, housing
7: the, the, the banks will, will give all sorts of, of rationale um they're they're talking about the high level of arrears um they're talking about the fact that we're in, an island uh, which has nothing to do with it uh, there's all sorts of of excuses that they are given uh but it suits them basically um,
1: well, are we giving them too much are we are we are they basically allowed is it too laissez affairs basically are we are we giving them too much you know rope to say look, you basically do what you want and we're not going to intervene
7: well, I, I agree, uh, actually, there in that the government should be having a greater say with the direction of the banks here in Ireland. You know, like, especially, you know, the, the, the people who have got a few bob and they're getting absolutely nothing on it. You know, one of the, probably one of the best demand deposit rates at the moment is 0.1%. I mean, AIB introduced a regular saver account where it's 2% uh, for the year. That's before dirt tax, on my dad. But when you've reached your 1,000 a month max and at the end of 12 months, that goes to 0.1% from 2%. It's
1: like, yeah, um, so it's <laughs> like a phone contract. Again, you're paid 20 quid for the first 12 months and then it's quadrupled almost by the time you get to the next one. It's yeah, a,
7: you, need, it's you need to read the small print and yeah. you need to keep looking at that word, value. Um, we all need to keep getting value. You know, Even your shopping list, your pre-grocery shopping list, make sure you've got, you know, you're not duplicating stuff in the fridge and the pantry um, when you go to your local supermarket. You know, it's all about value at the end
1: of the day. Perfect, John Lowe from the Money Doctor. A, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And uh, yeah, it's um, very, very difficult landscape. But uh, if you can find the value and you can keep an eye in the small print, then it might be something for you. Thanks, John. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Kevin Galvin standing in for Red FM. Just, or for, no, for Red FM. Not for the entire radio <laughs> station, Kevin. You're standing in for Neil Prenderville. Um, just a quick mention. The Cold Key uh, Festival is on this Saturday, the 12th of August. The Free Family Festival starts on 12 noon with the ringing of the Shandon bells to the tune of My Home by the Lee. We had the shots in last week and they did a fantastic job of it. And just a reminder, very quick reminder before we go to the news that uh, we all... Also have another passes for cork and a fork. Um, just we want to hear your best summer story for that. Now
2: Prendeville
1: Show Red FM. Kevin Galvin stepping in for Neil Prendeville and having a great time. I have to say, some of the conversations we've had this morning, some really good debate. Um, and I always love to hear debate. I love to hear people who have a contrary opinion because that's what life is all about. You can phone us 0818104106 Very happy to have a conversation with anybody uh, who has a strong or uh, a well thought out opinion on anything that we've been speaking about this morning. Or you can text us 0868104106 um, that's on the text line and on the WhatsApp line if you want to WhatsApp if you're that way inclined or you can email us neil at redfm.ie and do remember if you do email us anything in confidence of course stays in confidence to texts it says Kevin landlords are leaving the market by default i.e. the ones who ended up in an apartment due to trading up and owning more more than one at a time in an apartment landlords by profession i.e. the owner of one, two or five properties are not selling due to high values the facts are that such landlords are leaving the market due over a uh, sorry, market due to overzealous housing inspectors writing up on realistic lists. RTB backing tenants who haven't paid rents just because they cry at a hearing. 55% tax on income. Most landlords work hard, invest their money and are taxed to the high heavens. And that's what I'm talking about this. You know, the landscape is looking even worse for landlords when you talk about some of the things that Sinn Féin have been talking about bringing in. And sometimes it almost feels that landlords are the bad guys. But. Like you can't have tenants without landlords you have to have people who are willing to rent out their homes. Now whether they do that right or wrong, that is up to the RTB to make sure that they're doing it correctly and people are paying proper prices but ultimately landlords as a group aren't the ones to be blamed here, it's people who are taking advantage of the system. Um, they may be better off drinking their money, putting it up their noses and wasting their lives away rather than hosting and housing people that need the houses, that is an interesting uh, take on that. Sinn Féin hammering landlords is another political tactic but voters be warned, if they get into to power, many landlords will simply shut the doors, be put out of business, and there'll be no replacement by Sinn Fein. Look to the north where Sinn Fein is in power, and what's happening there no social housing, police numbers being cut, and terror alerts on high. And finally, what somebody says sure in this country, it's only the politicians who can fiddle the planning laws and get away with it. I can tell you that's not necessarily always the case. Pin puck fair, long live the puck! Tis the poor chickens I worry about. I don't know what kind of emotional capacity chickens have, but I don't know if it's anything to do with a goat. I always feel like it kind of depends on the emotional capacity of an animal. You know, if if like if you talk about a goldfish, do they really feel that much pain when you put them somewhere else? I don't know. Um, but when you talk about a goat or a pig or a horse, I, I do think they 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 do have feelings and they do they you know they can experience stress and I I don't think putting an animal under undue stress is kind of that necessary. Um, Somebody says, it's mental torture for the goat. Why doesn't he try it for one day? Somebody says, oh, the new presenter is good. There you go, no. Who knew? Who, Who knew? me me least than anybody else Mr Healy Ray is 100% right some clowns are just looking for things to complain about Would be more in their line to be complaining about the amount of freeloaders coming into the country but you seem to have been muzzled from talking about that any more not necessarily the case we always are open up to any conversation we've had people talking about the amount of people coming into the state on many an occasion and usually this programme is one of the very few that you will actually find a debate on immigration but as I say as it comes to all debates you have to actually sit down and have a think about what you're talking about you can't just be pointing fingers Um, tell him get off the radio horses and greyhounds don't want to be used to race they want to be loved like every other pet he is so linear he can't see the forest from the trees. He's a typical, somebody else says he's a typical Healy Ray shouting down people. To be fair, he had some strong arguments himself and he's well entitled to the space to speak and I talked over him before myself, but that is unfortunately the way it is uh, when you want to have a debate. It is so refreshing to have a presenter on air standing up for animal rights and animal rights activists. It's absolutely amazing. Thanks to him this morning for not breaking under the pressure of this fella on air now, my Michael Healy Ray, trying to put him down. It's actually refreshing and very rare. Well done, Red FM. I don't think you're stupid for highlighting the animal cruelty in this country. I'd say we're number one in the world at it, says this texture. Did you see the abuse of animals on the RT investigation a few weeks ago and the abuse of cattle? And indeed, RT investigates have launched you know, investigations into greyhound racing and horse racing and cattle farmers. And that's not to say, of course, that there aren't good greyhound trainers there are good horse racers I tell you I went to Jim Bulger's yard in Wexford and the way those horses are taken care of is unbelievable I mean they are just so well taken care of but up to the point where they're competitive my issue is you know if a greyhound gets injured or if a greyhound becomes uncompetitive like what happens then you, you can't run a greyhound round a track unless you start to do greyhound races where you have injured greyhound racing races against other injured greyhounds but I really don't think that would be uh, particularly uh, clever somebody said Uh, Please tell people to turn on their lights while they're driving because the fog is very bad coming up from Glanmire to Mayfield That comes from Laura, thank you very much for that text Um, So, speaking of issues regarding budget coming up. Uh, we were speaking last uh, or yesterday about uh, people being um, asking for extra when it comes to the elderly, alone particularly looking for extra. Another group looking for I suppose, maybe not extra but certainly for the status quo to be retained are the Vintners Federation of Ireland Now the government are planning to hike a 9% uh, VAT in hospitality back up to the original 13.5% am I right in saying? But I'm sure uh, the Michael Donovan. The VFI and indeed the Castle in on South Main Street will correct me on that one. Michael, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Very good, sir. Am I right in saying thirteen and a half percent is what's being proposed?
5: Yes, uh, on September 1, the government are proposing to, um, I suppose, revert back to the 13.5% fat rate for hospitality that they brought in uh, during the COVID pandemic. And it's a rate that we had previous um, to the pandemic. And look, I suppose where we are right now, Kevin, it's probably the... uh, The correct rate we feel across Europe because you know most countries across Europe are either 7, 8, 9, 10 percent, we're 9, which puts us mid-table against our European colleagues. And when we're, you know, looking for tourists to come in here and they're doing their research and they're researching Ireland against other countries, um, you know, it gives us a, a fighting chance where when we go to 13.5% on September 1, we're the second highest uh, VAT rate for food. So, you know, it makes us uh, very anti-competitive in that regard. So it'll be a challenge to get tourists in here. And also, you know, for us at home, you know, domestic uh, customers, it's going to be um, uh, another price increase because... Yeah. if a company or a business uh, operating in the food sector they, they operate at a very low margin they need high volume uh, to make it profitable so at the end of the month when they're paying the VAT bill you know it's going to be another 50% of a VAT bill that they're going to have to find um, so instead of yeah. paying 9% it's 13.5% But you know so what
1: people are going to say to that especially when uh, maybe not necessarily in your specific sector but people will say we had VAT at 9% and any foreign tourist who takes a look on booking.com and tries to book a room for two in Dublin will see that 9% to 13.5% you're still getting swindled either way
5: yeah look I, I... Look, hotels and hotel rooms are, are a different ball game uh, we're trying to fight for the food side of it and to retain it on the food side um, you know we wouldn't have many members that would have uh, accommodation so and if we do they're primarily uh, rural Ireland that they'd have it and they wouldn't be in that, um, that uh, category so look it's 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 the food side of it that we're really worried about um, because even for ourselves you know domestic users that are here it's going to be a crisis Price increase, and the bigger worry that we have is that inflation, you know, over quarter two and quarter three has been reducing, and in quarter four we know from, you know, Tony Foley, a renowned economist, that um, price increases on food because of the VAT going up will add to inflation. So that's not good for any of us. Yeah, but uh,
1: I'm just conscious though that, like, I'm just looking at the piece in the Echo there yesterday, um, and yourself in talking about a VAT rate retained and on the other side of the paper I'm talking we're talking about the huge waiting lists for for, for in mental, in health services particularly to with children I mean those VAT increases are ultimately going to boost government coffers which will ultimately help pay for other services so you know I know it's obviously very easy to say it will obviously increase you know interest for those who are eating out but is the counter argument not that extra VAT means that we should have better services
5: it would absolutely mean that, but unfortunately we will see a huge decline in tourism coming here. where We're expecting that. So the overall take we could see is going in the opposite direction and uh, we could be standing still from uh, where we are at the moment. And you have to remember if uh, businesses are paying an extra 50% of a VAT bill and they're struggling already, Lots of businesses could actually fold with this uh, increase. It could be the tipping point for a lot of businesses. So, uh, extra people could be signing on. They could be out of work in a couple of months' time. That's the big fear that we would have. So that would have a total negative effect on the exchequer. Um, and you know, if you're talking about services, money then would have to go to provide social welfare for those people that would be signing on. So yes. it would be very counterproductive. That's in a that fair regard. point. That's
1: a fair point. But um, is it? Re- would it really? I mean, being honest, would it really? Really have that much of an impact on tourism? Like, are tourists really looking at the VAT rate in Ireland, and thinking, "Well, I'm not, I might. I might cancel my hold all day, or I mightn't decide to go back to." Ireland because the VAT rate is higher and I, now if I want to go to a pub or a hotel and I have a dinner it's going to be slightly more expensive
5: Absolutely, look at it, if you go on TripAdvisor and look at things, comments that are posted afterwards uh, people say you know food was expensive there and um, they leave comments, people use TripAdvisor and other platforms when they're researching going on holidays so you know if, if, if we're going to Spain or Portugal or Italy most people I know would go on the TripAdvisor and have a look at uh, the resort and, you know, the cost of things that are there. Um, so it, it, it does inform opinion uh, for people coming here. And word of mouth would be, you know, if Americans go back to America and say, geez, Ireland was an expensive destination. We were in, you know, Spain, we were in France, we were in Germany, we were in Holland, we were in England, uh, but Ireland was kind of expensive. It might put people off coming here. So that's the huge worry that we have going forward with, a, with this size of it, Like it's a 50% increase on VAT, which is a, a big jump. Um, yeah. So that would have a you know an, an impact on people's choices.
1: Yeah, people would say, though, the VFI have a huge amount of lobbying power that you guys have obviously, and look rightly so, to keep staff numbers, received quite a lot of money during the COVID pandemic to make sure the past staff kept, kept being paid. You got this fat reduction for quite a number of years that people would say that the industry, particularly when it comes to alcohol, contributes massively towards the public health bill and that pubs aren't doing enough to make sure that people aren't being served when they're over their limit Um, so a lot of people would say I've very little sympathy for the industry
5: yeah, but unfortunately, look, the the industry, as you just pointed out, contributes a lot to the exchequer, and if this VAT rate does uh, come to pass on September one, which unfortunately it does look like it's going to happen, it will inevitably cost jobs and will cost businesses. So that's not good to the exchequer at the the end of the day, uh, for all the reasons you outlined, paying back to the exchequer uh, in VAT and revenue and excise. So it's a uh, it, you know it's a double-edged sword, and we're just worried that it's uh, working and on the ground, businesses have struggled this summer uh, because of you know, less hotel rooms being available for tourists coming here so net spend uh, has been down this year while pl- places have been busy, the, the net spend has been down on other years um, so look, it's, it's, yeah. it's a big worry uh, that this is coming uh, we, look, we always knew that it was temporary, the government were saying that but we're just saying to them that this is probably the wrong time to be increasing it when there's so much uncertainty in the hospitality sector
1: right now and obviously we saw only last maybe two weeks or three weeks ago the wild goose and mallow putting their foot down and saying we're not willing to charge customers anymore it's not that we can't afford or we, we couldn't potentially charge customers more, before, more but we don't think that what we're charging them now is fair yeah and look
5: this will add again to that you know look, we've all seen in the last 12 months people's disposable income has been really hit. Um, You know, gas bills, electricity bills, even your food shopping, if you go to the supermarket, has really gone up. So you know, people have less money to spend going out and going out now is becoming a luxury. So when that happens, you know, people that used to go out maybe twice a fortnight or something might only go out once a fortnight and then that's having a knock-on effect on the businesses um, because obviously they're having less turnover as we're seeing at the moment. So um, that's where the uncertainty comes in and that's where we're calling on the government even at this late stage to to, to reverse this decision of increasing the 9% VAT rate on September 1.
1: Yeah. Um, just generally though about... Sh- about the vintners across the country and the changing landscape that is this country, um, are vintners moving fast enough with this? I suppose look, there, there is a there is a new movement away from drink and alcohol. There is obviously the some of the zero drinks we've seen brought in, but there's a huge move towards a coffee culture now, and yet we see very few bars or you know restaurants still being used for people going in and having a coffee like even if you go into cork you go into a pub you know there's very few people thinking about pubs when it comes to trying to use it as a venue to meet without alcohol having been involved are vintners moving fast enough with that are they understanding now that there is going to be a movement away from that what we saw before 20 30 years ago the kind of lock-in culture that we had
5: yeah. Look, any every bar now has numerous zero zero options, as you just said, and um, you know which which has the regulations. It, if bars don't do food, it's it's virtually very hard for them to go into the food side which coffee is involved in because you have a a whole minefield of regulations but those that do food um, they're very big into coffee culture and cafe cultures in the morning and we've seen huge changes as you said over the last 20 years You know, 20 years ago not many bars would be open in the morning doing tea coffee scones um, where you go into the city, you go into the suburbs most of the big bars are all uh, operating in that sector uh, right now but for smaller bars it's a huge challenge to get involved in that sector because of the yeah. uh, uh, HSC but regulations. D- d- yeah,
1: and does that need to change? Because we, like, I mean, even the zero-zero stuff, you're paying as much for, like, I always think you can either go into a pub and get a Bulmer zero-zero for, or another cider zero-zero for four or five quid, or you can get a bottle of Sidona, which essentially costs and tastes the same for half the price.
5: Yeah and look unfortunately the suppliers that make that uh, set the price point and yeah. look they've brought us in uh, numerous times to show us the process they can make a look if you go into a supermarket or an off license for any person they can see the price uh, like of a, a zero zero bottle compared to the say the, the regular bottle of any product it's it's the same price or if not yeah. more and um, because the process for making it uh, for most of the suppliers is a, is a much longer process because it's made originally as a regular product, and then they have to take it steps further to take the alcohol back out uh, without trying to change the, the the taste profile of it. So it's a it's a complex um, process that they do, and obviously that 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 costs money to, to do that. Hence the end product is, is the same price as the say the the regular bottle of any product and unfortunately when we're buying it in uh it's the same for us buying it in, it's 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 the same price, if not more, than the, the than the than the normal
1: bottle just if a text are here and um look, I'm just going to read this out it says Michael Donovan is always putting on the poor mouth and it certainly you know we hear from the VFI we, we we very rarely hear you guys saying well actually we have loads thanks we're actually doing really grand in the industry the clubs are flying is it hard to get your message across do you feel that people are kind of worn out from that message that pubs are under pressure when they're seeing the kind of prices and they see how busy the pubs are for events like Pride and you know for big events in the city yeah but the big
5: events are only unfortunately one weekend you know like Pride was was a busy Sunday, a, a bit of Saturday, but, like, there were seven other days in the week when people have to operate the business and pay for the business. Uh, two days, unfortunately, don't keep uh, any business afloat. And, you know, where pubs are really, and all hospitality, are really, I suppose, struggling at the moment because we've had a, a difficult two years after COVID, um, and, like, we're just fighting for survival, and we're seeing uh, pub closures... You know every month there's another pub announcing our a lease being given up, so it's a it's at we wouldn't be fighting for our survival if it wasn't a tough time you know yeah. so it's a. it's just if people don't support their local pub, unfortunately, they will start disappearing over the next number of years. And look, it's a great product, the Irish pub. It's tried to be replicated all over the world. Um, and unfortunately, here in Ireland, we are seeing a, a big decline over the last 15, 20 years of pubs. Um, and unfortunately, that stat is continuing at the moment. Um, so if if it was... A very lucrative business to be going into. We'd see a lot of people trying to get into the pub game where at the moment we don't see that.
1: Can I ask you, just finally, before I leave you go, and I've Appreciate you again taking the call, Michael. Um, down in the castle, inn but if, I've heard from I suppose particularly paramedics um, when they're talking about what they have to deal with people coming come, coming out of pubs in the state that they're coming out in. They're looking for some sort of kind of a drunk tank, a city drunk tank, or something to be set up, and they they are saying that the pubs and the VFI are unwilling to contribute towards it. Do you think their pubs need to do more? Try and I suppose. A help, a, you know, to battle against anti-social behaviour, because we, we do see, particularly on Saturday, Friday night in Cork, there is an awful lot of anti behaviour from people who have had too much to drink and are coming out of pubs.
5: Yeah, look, we, a number of years ago, and people probably see these guys on the street. We have the street pastors who do unbelievable work, and, you know, we help uh, them with, with with them in that. Uh, every weekend, they're on the street, and they work, I suppose, behind the scenes, um, and it's something we've been very much supportive of for the last decade, really, here in Cork, um, and they're, they're great, what they do. Um, and, look, uh, we'll be always willing to help and support in any way that we can because um, uh, our number one aim is people to come out and join themselves but also to get home safe because if they don't get home safe it's not a memor- memorable experience so you know it's something that we want to have is repeat custom you know coming back to our business so people getting home safe is very very important to us.
1: Okay, Michael O'Donovan from the Castle Inn and from the VFI uh, down on South Main Street, Castle Inn. Thank you so much for joining us. And as you say, um, VAT rate uh, going up on the September 1st to 13.5%, but Michael looking for it to be uh, stay at the current 9%. Uh, John Byrne, you were listening to our conversation. What did you make of what Michael had to say?
8: Well, there must be money in alcohol to say that Bill Gates is after investing a billion dollars in buying into uh, alcoholic uh, drinks. This is the man that was going to save the whole world apparently, but I I, I get away from that now because obviously uh, this guy hasn't tried to book a room to go to a concert lately.
1: Well, it's what I said too many first came on. It's hard for people to swallow the fact that the hospitality industry are telling us that they're struggling when people are looking at a hotel a double night for ahead of a Taylor Swift gig and they're seeing a double room for a thousand (coughs) euro.
8: Yeah well when you uh, you had uh, some guy on there earlier and uh, he was telling you his son is an accountant and there was a mention of 1500 euros per night for to rent a, a Correct. two bedroom two apartment bed yeah. That, yeah, yeah, that was actually cheaper than uh, going to a hotel so that would give you uh, a full uh, Blowing uh,
1: report on uh, what the hotel industries are making. Yeah, uh, the, the, Michael is saying that this talks. will do, this will be passed on to the consumer. That we'll ultimately have to pay more for our meals because of the fact that the government is 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 raising it back up to thirteen and a half percent.
8: Oh no! Hold on a while now. You vote with your feet. If they're going to if they're going to try and rip you off, you don't go there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I suppose, but you have know, the restaurants then like the Wild Goose and Mallow are saying that we're going to have to close because we, we can't actually stand over the prices that we're charging. So ultimately, yes, but, you, there will be nowhere for your feet to go.
8: Well, yeah, well, they, they, they obviously took uh, a moral stand on it that they couldn't justify uh, by the time they had all the charges to suit the government to levy. Uh, that was being passed on to the person who wanted the p- plate of food on the side the night to go out with a loved one. And I can under- I can understand them. They just they just say this isn't going to work. Well, we're going to screw the people
1: over. I mean, no, I like suppose they're they're, 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 the, the point that they're making is that, you know, they've had a very difficult couple of few, last few years. They've had the COVID, obviously, uh, you know, and the, the the issues of people not going out and the reticence yeah, to people but, to go out after that. Yeah, and out, no, no, just let me just just let me finish a second, John. Sorry. They, they, they're dealing with that. And now they're going into a landscape where they're finally starting to emerge out of that. And they're being slapped now with an extra four and a half percent rise in that. Right. Tell me, did the government compensate them for the times they were closed? Well, the government paid for their uh, the, their staff and they made sure that they kept, they were able to keep, you know, whatever going, what they needed going. But they certainly wouldn't, I imagine, uh, a, a bar that would do well isn't anywhere near, um, you know, wouldn't be anywhere near what they received in COVID. I presumed it was enough well, to keep the had... doors open, but certainly not what they would make in profit over the course of a normal couple of years.
8: Well, we had one. We had one man, one particular Republican. Then I won't mention the yes, name of the he must not be
1: named. Yeah.
8: Right. Yeah. And uh, he was on. He was on social media giving glowing reports about how much money he was making yeah. because he didn't have to pay the staff.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was very hard you, yeah, Absolutely. No, no, I come hundred percent gloating almost over the fact that his. Oh, oh,
8: oh absolutely. And he tried. To, he tried to recant, in though.
1: Yeah, well, I think the the damage had already be done at that point, and as I what suppose, you, like- but you talk about glo- voting with your feet, the premise is still very popular. So maybe people yeah, aren't yeah, as outraged yeah. by things as they lead us to believe.
8: Yeah, but you can only push them so far. Look, people are put to the pin of the collar because the government can fix uh, a levy on, on rents, but they can't do anything for the people paying the mortgage who are at the mercy of banks. And, we're, and they're now at the mercy of people that they don't even know and who they never
1: bought into. Yeah, but, the, but I suppose coming back to this conversation, you're talking about those people struggling and that's what the VFI are saying. These people should be able to go out and have a meal without being charged through the nose by an extra value increase. Yeah,
8: but surely didn't make any difference what the VAT increase was all along. Yeah, nine percent, and there was there was still uh, uh, getting but, getting a heavy hit. But no
1: doubt it'll go up. Like there is no doubt that after yes, this yes, VAT increase, right. the price of food will go up. For-
8: for instance, a lot of people like to have a glass of wine when they're going with a meal, right? Correct. You you can buy the same bottle of wine, good bottle of wine for fourteen euros uh, in the shop. You you go into the, the the restaurant. That same bottle of wine is costing you forty euros for somebody to take the top off it.
1: Well, I suppose the thing is, they would say, you know, it's not just the uh, like. It's like anything else. You know, you can you could buy a scone in the shop for a euro, but you're not keeping the lights on, you're not, you know, you're not employing staff, you're not paying electricity, you're not having to pay licensing fees. You know, there's, like, yeah, but the, actual, yeah, but the actual cost of the product is only a certain amount of what you're being charged. I mean, the vast majority of what you're being charged is, is to pay, pay staff.
8: Yeah, but hold on a while now. If it's 14 euros in the supermarket or in the wine shop to buy it,
1: how many uh, many waiters do you need to screw the top off uh, to put the price up to €50? I know, but it's, it's, it's it, well, I suppose the, the idea is that you're paying staff for a night, you're paying the electricity, you know, you're paying this over the course of a month. So on average, by the amount of bottles that they would sell and the amount of store products that they sell, that's what they would need to turn what they would consider to be a profit and not like there's nothing wrong with profit once it's not egregious profit yeah. but like businesses are in there to make money so you know they're not going to like they're not charities they're not going to charge you exactly what it costs on top of, you know, there's always going to be a margin. And that's, you accept that by going to a restaurant because you get that experience of yep. being in a restaurant. Uh-huh.
8: So, te- so tell me, how do the restaurants who don't have a wine license, how do they manage?
1: Well, they don't have to worry about paying for the wine. And I suppose they sell other drinks and they sell other things on top of that. A lot of them, a lot of, well, and most restaurants that open late at night would have a drinks license because the vast majority of people, if you go into a restaurant, John, and you're told, sorry, we don't do wine or beer, are you more likely to turn around and say, well... I'm actually all right. Thanks. I'd rather go to the restaurant across the road where I can have a glass of wine at me meal. You
8: know. Right. Okay. So uh, what? So by 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 that reckoning, so it would be a lot better for the restaurant to uh, have a table inside and sell you the wine. Uh, with the difference between 14 and 40 euros other than give you a bowl of soup no, I, well, I, because they, they wouldn't they wouldn't need the staff
1: but I suppose restaurants would say and I know that this is something that rest, this is kind of a I don't know if this is still a, a thing in the restaurant business but certainly it's what I've heard is that the money in restaurants isn't actually made on the food but it's made on the drinks so that's why you have a higher margin over drinks because you get people in with the price of food. That's what people are looking at and then they buy the drink and they're paying more for yeah, the yeah. drinks that go along. So that's where they make their yeah. money. I'm I'm this is only what I'm hearing and I can imagine that's why the the price of drinks are higher. I suspect if you want yeah, to go don't. into a restaurant to pay forty quid for a bottle of wine, nobody's gonna stop you, you know? want a liquid
8: dinner but, why, but, but they would stop
1: they would still stop you if you wanted to bring your own bottle of wine well yeah I'm that, but the, the, then that's again that's your opportunity to vote your fee so the wines do uh, to allow you in they, and they will pay they, they'll still charge you a lot of them will still charge you a fee for for corkage you know so mm-hmm. you'll yeah, yeah, well, where a decision yeah. whether you want to pay the 14 quid plus the extra fiver uh-huh. or whether you want to pay the money for the bottle of wine you know well
8: you you can have this conversation with me in six months' time if the race uh, changes or if the rate stays the same or it goes up, upwards everywhere. Yeah. And I guarantee you that you still won't get a hotel room any cheaper to go to a concert than uh, we've been getting all along.
1: No. Well, that is uh, certainly... Um, I mean, the hotel room situation is just crazy. I, I completely agree. Yeah, but- there is absolutely no way you can justify raising the price by that I can understand there's a certain amount of raising it because there's a big event in the way that Ryanair do with their flights if you're flying over to a match but I mean charging people a thousand euro for for a room for Taylor Swift is crazy John thanks so much for the call as ever Um, no doubt this won't be the last time we'll be speaking
2: probably not (laughs) (laughs) no doubt get it off your chest Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818-104106 Red FM. All
1: right, and you can phone us 0818-104106. Text us 0868104106. Email us Neil at redfm.ie. I suspect you know the deal, so do please get in touch. On back to our texts. Uh, my conversation with Michael Healy Ray. I agree with Michael Healy Ray. Our government does allows cigarettes to be sold in shops, even though they kill ten thousand humans every year, and there's no word about it. Well, the same people that protest against all animal sports protest against the cigarette companies. No, they wouldn't. It's too handy to just rock up to a race meeting and disrupt everyone else's fun. I certainly don't agree with people turning up at race meetings and trying to chain themselves to jumps and all that. I just think that's that's too militant for me. But certainly, if people want to have a cigarette, and this is the point that I was making to Michael Healy-Ray, uh, if people want to go out and have a cigarette, and we have as humans an opportunity to make that choice for ourselves, we have that sentient thought that we can say, "Okay, I want to go out and have a cigarette. I understand the dangers of it, and i 'm going to do it anyway." But we make decisions for animals we We decide that our dogs sleep inside or outside, we decide that our cats eat one kind of brand of cat food over another, and we decide whether we want to stick a goat in a cage for three days and hanging above a street. That is a human's choice that you have made that impacts on that animal's, whether you decide whether it impacts on that animal's well-being or not, that's, that's kind of beside the point. You are making that choice for that animal and we make choices for animals all the time. And you would hope that people that make those choices make those choices in the best interest of the animals. But as we've seen in those RT Investigates programs, that's not always the case. Now, that might be a very small minority, it probably is a very small minority but it's still a minority of people who are able to mis- mistreat animals because they're being funded, or at least partly funded by the state as part of an industry that does that. I appreciate that people say that there are an awful lot of good owners and I appreciate that but to, to try and liken it to humans it's just it's not the same thing we we have that choice and I think to do so is slightly disingenuous tell that lad um, well done for not giving him his own way and having the nerve to take him on more presenters need to do this it is Healy Ray's honour to be allowed on shows not to insist on pre-planned questions to be fair um, just Michael he never insisted on pre-planned questions. I think he was just caught in the hop slightly that I had figures to hand that were given to me by our team here, Claire Connor and she- Seamus Whelan and of Forrest, but like that doesn't necessarily mean that you know, he, he wasn't willing to come on. He was very willing to take call and he didn't uh, insist on uh, pre-planned questions. Uh, but anyway, I'll, he, he has to shout people down when he's put to the pin. They need to be honest and no, they don't have to give interviews. It should be a part of being a TD. You must do X amount of unplanned questions. Well done. Is it Kevin? Yes, it is. Kevin Galvin, stepping in for Neil Prendival all this weekend. Thank you so much for your text. But I do want to give uh, Michael Healy raised due credit because he did, A, take a call from us and B, wasn't insisting on any pre-planned questions and stuck with me right till the end of it. So I Appreciate with that. Uh, completely agree with Michael. He's on the ball. People are people. Animals are animals. We are not equal. That's why we have a choice and they don't. We need to respect them in whatever job, service, or sport they're involved in. But as for giving a goat, horse, or dog a choice, come on, get a grip like Uh, Michael is a fantastic politician and the presenter is a clown, Uh, pity he wouldn't get some pork politicians on and have a go at them in the same way, but that will never happen on this radio station, I revert you back to Neil's conversation with Simon Coveney not so long ago that was certainly well worth listening to, slaves were there for 100 years, will we bring them back Uh, why doesn't someone put Michael Healy Ray up on the podium for a few days in the blistering heat with a few vet checks to see how he gets on Animal, uh, sorry, Michael can speak tell us how it feels animals can't it's their way or the highway says another texter he wouldn't be upset he wouldn't upset the racing or greyhound elite the sooner that these fossils are extinct the better um, that's very unfair I think to, to say that to Michael Hilly Ray um yeah, as I said, I very appreciate him taking taking a call. And he, as he said, we're all entitled to our own opinion. Puck Fair is an ancient festival where animals were honoured. It probably began thousands of years ago. It still continues. Well done. This is called tradition. Outdated, yes. Culturally good for our past, yes. Son, Chris. Thanks, Chris. That's a that's a very fair point to make. Um, absolutely, that we should be carrying on traditions. I just don't understand. I just don't see the the hoisting of the goat for three days as necessary. Now, as I say, they've rolled back on it do we need to have an actual goat there to honour the tradition of the goat? I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Uh, Fair play to your presenter Kevin this morning for defending the rights of animals. Michael Healy Ray makes me sick. Uh, I was just about to make the point of tradition but Kevin has just said exactly what I was thinking and I would like to suggest that your last caller be taken up on his offer to be locked in a cage for three days i.e. John O'Donovan and hoisted high in the sky just like the goat I somehow don't think he'd find it as easy as he thinks it is. Um, On the subject of the HSE stop dissing our health service there is only so much it can do with the amount of resources it has it is not a bottomless pit and spare a thought for all who work in the HSC they're doing their best and all of them are amazing people you should be neutral and not give your personal opinions from Mary that's a fair point Mary but also I am there to be um, I suppose the counter argument to a lot of the people that come on our show uh, text in uh, thanks to my and thanks to my old club Blackstone Rovers who've given me uh, a, a nod of approval great club there up in Fairfield and I'm doing a fantastic job of bringing through young players as well started an academy there so thank you very much guys and the very best of luck this season in the Cork AUL. Uh on the subject of the cycleway greenway I was talking earlier about that going from uh, Yalt Middleton um, and the fact that we should be running these alongside trains and not in place of trains somebody says the Cork to Yalt train would be back long ago Fianna did didn't sell out to Eamon Ryan just so Mihal Martin could be Taoiseach Mihal Martin never did anything for Cork I, I think that's very unfair I think if you look back at some of the things that Mihal Martin has done for the people of Cork we can even attest on our own show about passports that have been managed to sort of for people that need to go abroad. He does do uh, work for us in fairness. Instead of spending money on extra cycle lanes etc etc spend the money on badly funded children's services as the Bible says teach a youth about the way he should go even when he is old he will not depart from it. Adults are the way they are because their experiences as children. Early intervention makes better adults that's a that's a very very fair point um, especially when we talk about the amount of waiting lists uh, that children are on at the moment and the, the Psychiatric services that they require. It makes you wonder what effect that will have in their adulthood.
2: The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday 0818 104 106.
1: of you who are into your motorsport will know exactly that sound and some of you will, the hairs will be standing up on the back of your neck. That is of course the theme tune, the new team tune for Formula 1's coverage right across the world. A sport that has gained massively in popularity uh, since the recent Drive to Survive series on Netflix. And a man who knows, uh, he certainly knows his way around racing cars is David Walsh who I have here on Line 6. David, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Did that uh, get the hairs up in the back of your neck? Are you a huge Formula Uh, One fan? Yeah, yeah, I've been to a couple of them and uh, there's nothing like it. (laughs) It's just the power of them at the moment and the popularity of it. I imagine you guys in Kart World up in Watergrass Hill are certainly benefiting from this newfound interest in Formula One and in motorsport. Uh,
9: Yeah, we have, well,. You probably know we, we, we started quite a long time ago now with a, originally just a kart racing track and we developed into the mid-90s then into sort of having higher karts and then we went mad in the early 2000s and we added a paintball and archery and the devil knows what.
1: Um, so, oh, always good so, to have options. I, I did, Obviously, as you say, 1990... Um, you have so an enormous amount of experience with karting and with I suppose look your own sons have been put through the the the, the way of it now um, do you think that this new interest we will now start to see some Irish drivers rising through the ranks I mean I know we have the likes of Charlie Eastwood racing in the World Endurance Championship um, and those kind of and obviously on the drifting scene we have a, a huge amount of talent with James Dean and, and Shannon and all that but in terms of single-seater, open-wheel stuff, will we hopefully see Irish people? Alex Dunn, I know, is doing well at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, uh,
9: there's, there is there, there, there is a path there, but um, it's very daunting. Um, you, know, <clears throat> you have to have incredible talent and then you have to be incredibly lucky that somebody will actually back you yeah. um, because the... The, the the money talks unfortunately rather than the talent yeah stuff.
1: how much does it even cost to do a a season of karting
9: uh, right well in certainly there are people spending hmm, 20 30000 euro uh, on on a season of of kart racing in two stroke uh four stroke racing which is becoming is building very fast now um uh, much more, um, shall we say, cost-effective.
1: Maybe the season will cost you five thousand. Yeah. If you're if you're really doing it well on the, on a budget. But look, I suppose for people who are wanting to try their hand, going up to Cartworld is a fantastic experience because obviously you guys are outdoor. Um, I know for a fact if you want to get your practice laps in, you can get Cartworld World on a set of Corsa, and you can actually do it on the sim. Um, and the explosion of sim racing you you know it it is leading to tracks becoming more busy and and people wanting to to transfer what they've learned on the sim into actually doing it in real life right
9: yeah um there, there's certainly that but the re, the the real uptake in for, for that we've seen in the last five or six years is a lot more girls and ladies um going karting now with their mm. boyfriends or brothers and sisters and things like that it, it's you know it's, that's, that's the real
1: transformation in the last couple of years and I, I suspect and a lot of that has well not a lot of it but certainly a measure of it has been driven by the, the drive to survive and the amount of personalities in that because even a lot of female like I, I, I would say ugh, an awful lot of the female friends I have are now asking me about Formula 1 they're saying you know people who would never have been interested before are now saying oh I love Carlos Sainz or I hate Max or I love Max or I hate Lewis or I love Lewis and it's the personalities really that that get people interested in the sport and then from there they kind of go oh I, I never realised that you could actually kind of do a version of it here
9: oh yeah it's um, the we've been here a long time but it never ceased to amaze me just how she say oh I never knew you did
1: that yeah <laughs> and Kamir um what's the worst behavior best behavior you've seen on a car track have you seen, obviously you've seen some sins, but my god i would say there's certainly a, a bit of a briefing needed before you go in there uh,
9: yeah it's um pe- people are properly briefed and all these sort of things but sometimes the, the 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 blood goes to the head a bit different <sighs> when two guys are out there but uh, we have a little button we can press and we can slow the cards down or in extremis we can actually stop them
1: well uh, let's hopefully that won't be the case for yeah, one of no these one people including the three <laughs> passes but no look yeah. it is fantastic as, as somebody who really got into motorsport during the pandemic and is massively into my sim racing um, it is great to see uh, tracks doing well around the country I know Mondello is, is still doing well in terms of the higher side uh, in terms of the bigger I suppose even bigger again but you guys do fantastic work up in uh, the world so we're going to give away three passes now David thank you so much for joining me uh, on the show and the continued success for Kart World and, and all of those who not just uh, own and run it, but those who partake in races, lest your, lest your way apexes go well. Um, so we're going to give away three passes now. We're going to give a six-person birthday party package. That includes a karting session, archery and food and that's on the weekend as well. So uh, no worries about trying to get time off work for that. Uh, we'll have a, a one. Uh, we'll have a laser tag session for six and we'll also have an archery session for six. So that is for Callers 9, 10, and 11. And we'll be back after this.
2: Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM.
1: Just a text coming in off my conversation with Dave Walsh there from Car He says there is a very competitive single seater girl from Cork Racing, both Mondello and in the UK. Look her up. Kaylas Cole Racing uh, leading the Boss 3 Championship. I'm actually very aware of Kaylas because I know that uh, Lawrence DeSoswa um, has been a, a former guest on this show, a man who's very involved in sim racing has actually really raised money trying to help her buy fuel and tyres and has helped her with a, with a, set, a sim setup for herself so uh, yeah great work from Lawrence there and also I'm um, delighted for Kayla. but we're going to have, uh, we're going to go back to our competition now, we already gave away passes for Cart World uh, in Watergrass Hill now we're going to away passes all this week to Cork and a Fork or different events at Cork and a Fork Festival but we want to hear you about your summer memory so Ashling, you have one for us, good morning Hi, how are you? Very good. Yeah. So, tell us about your uh, your summer story.
10: So, our summer holidays was always my mom. My dad was uh, in construction, so it was always the August bank holiday weekends that we'd head off, and it was always to somewhere in Ireland. We never went abroad because we just we just weren't into us, you know. So, it was always around Ireland, visiting historical sites, and my dad would always be. We still don't know to this day whether he was telling us the truth or whether he was making up stories.
1: Sometimes it it's, it's better stories. not to know.
10: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> it was always like making sure there was horse riding and fishing nearby because I loved horse riding and fishing. Yeah. My brother was an avid fisherman, so it was always surrounded about... It was always about us um, and my parents, and if they could get away for five minutes, brilliant. If not, it was just the memories were just for us. And it's amazing because when we look back, it's, you know, we learned so much and we got to appreciate, I suppose, Ireland so much as well, you know.
1: Yeah, and it's something uh, that people uh, only said after the pandemic when we couldn't travel. People saying, I never realised what was on my doorstep.
10: Yeah, and it's like by the time I was 12, I was probably in every city in Ireland, you know, um, especially along the coastlines with, with all the fishing that we used to do. But no, it's great and like I'm hoping now maybe next year to try and pick up a camper and bring my daughter and bring my sons around Ireland.
1: That is, campers are the business, I can tell you. They they are just the absolute business. Very, very lucky to have the use of one at the moment and they are just so good.
10: They're heaven. And to be honest, if you saw the state of me, if I got down on the floor to lie on a sleeping Pad or whatever you call them, I wouldn't be getting back up like so. You know, it's like roll me up in the tent and bring me with you. So <laughs> camper, it's
1: business. <laughs> we just roll out the front steps, not a banner Roll yeah. me <laughs> <the ground. laughs> Tenter, isn't it Well, look, Ashling, um, you will have two tickets for the Cork and a Fork tasting trail for you. Uh, that oh, is uh, you August seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth. So, so take your pick of that one. Um, um, and, and any your favorite Cork food? Oh
10: God. Do you know what? Now, out in 12 tables in Douglas, they do American blueberry pancakes. Day and I think out. that's my favourite food. That sounds the
1: <laughs> job Well it, it, certainly this won't be uh, 12 tables out in Douglas But hopefully you'll find a new favourite uh, Thanks to our friends at Cork on a Fork Some fantastic work that they're doing there So congratulations Ashling. Enjoy it And it'll uh, see the city as we said Turn into one big food festival for the week So more, one more prize to give tomorrow uh, My final day in the seat Before Neil comes back in next week
0: For more Red FM podcasts Go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast. Podcasts.